Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. The best day of the week is here, Tuesday and Tuesday night, and the wise guys are back. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, we're the wise guys. We're called other things sometimes by by our friends, but uh, for this purpose, we are the wise guys for the next two hours. And we're called other things by people that aren't our friends. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Somebody uh, shouted down to us at the football game the other day, late in the fourth quarter, uh, expressing their disappointment with the defense uh, and showering it down on us as, as if, well, we're going to go fix it then. It's, like it's, I, it's and, on us. And just for the record, I didn't miss a single tackle. No, I thought you were perfect. In that, that game. game. Did not miss a tackle. No, but that's kind of so. where we are after a couple of losses. And so it's group therapy here tonight, and we're going to talk about a lot of things. Um, maybe BYU is not as good as we thought, and they are not as bad as we feel. That's a, probably a good statement. About yeah. right? We're yeah. kind of right there yeah. um, with the game coming up this weekend. And uh, they're, they're certainly not They're not playing up to their potential for the level of talent they have. Um, and and we, we talked about this on, on Saturday. I I fully expected them in the four big games to go two and two. And they went one and three. Yeah. So that's a disappointment, right? I'm disappointed in it. But that's not like a epic Failure. They lost one more game than I thought they would to this point in the season. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Yes, that's not. That's it's not. Like, get it's away not like from pe- the edge. People are ready to jump off a cliff. <laughs> I'm like, literally, like if I look at what I and I had pretty lofty expectations. Yeah. they have one more loss than I expected them to have at this point, based on what I thought was a pretty lofty expectation. But now here's the thing: I expect them to win out now. Yeah, absolutely. I expect them to win out. So, so I thought after their start, they could be 10 and two in the regular season and, you know, be ranked in the top 15, may, maybe depending on who those two losses were to yeah. in the top 12. And I thought that was pretty high expectations. If they, if they do win out and they end up nine and three and have a chance to go to a bowl and finish the season with, anytime you have a double digit win is a pretty special season. But I get the sense people are just ready to just cash it's, it in. It's almost like we're 0-6. They're done. They're just done. So jump on board <laughs> with us and share your opinions. We'll, uh, you can share them with each other, and we'll, of course, talk about some uh, as they come through. But I wrote an article in the Deseret News yesterday about, um, uh, and we're going to talk about it tonight, but but it was more about, hey, look, uh, with a little more offense, BYU can could be in a position to win that game. That didn't excuse the defense, but the future of the Big 12 are these shootouts that they have every week already, and that's what BYU is joining. You'd have thought that I'd gone into homes and stole their kids' piggy bank and walked out <laughs> laughing. And it's just like, I'm like, what, what, guys, it's not that bad. Yeah, and, and it's here, just and not. There are th- they need to get better on their third down defense. Yeah. But I'm not talking like crazy better. And instead of being 12 of 15 on third down conversion defense, if they were 8 of 15, they probably win that game. Right. And the Notre Dame so they game. Get, they just get four more times when they get off the field, right? Yeah. Sa- same thing with Notre Dame. The, the difference between winning and losing is pre- pretty small margin. And the difference between college football now and – 
when I played or even 10 years ago is that with very few exceptions, the teams that can go out and just light it up win. Uh, you know, think Oklahoma, think Alabama, think it, it's it's surprising when you look. Alabama's just dominating teams, but you forget how many people are like even bad teams are scoring. Yeah, on Alabama, and when I say with one exception, Georgia is in a class all by themselves on defense. Like they go out against really good teams and just shut them down. Yeah, but I would submit that Georgia on most Saturdays. The 11 guys on defense that Georgia puts out there are better than every single solitary player on the other team's offense. Like, they're 11 for 11 better than everybody on the other team. And that's not that's not the case in most really, really high-level games. Hey, just look up the road. Utah, two weeks in a row, and Utah is considered one of the best defensive teams in the country year after year. I don't yeah. think they're quite as good defensively as they've been. Right. But they're still a top 35 defense in the country, right? Two weeks in a row, they could not stop the other team. UCLA did anything they wanted on Utah's defense, and Utah tried to match scores, but they made a few mistakes and had some turnovers, and they lost. Fast forward a week. Now they go against USC. Utah didn't look like they had a clue. Like, they could not stop USC, but guess what? Utah's offense just went, okay, we get these kinds of games. We were in one last week. Let's not turn it over. Let's force a turnover or two out of them. We get one or two more stops than they have. We could win this thing, and they end up winning by one point, with both team, with both teams, you know, scoring like crazy out there, um, and the difference was that USC turned it over, and and Utah took care of the ball, yeah. and then Utah had a chance and had the ball last, and they went for a two point conversion and got it. That's Utah. Ask around the country to name the best defensive teams year in and year out, and Utah's always going to be in that conversation, and they can't stop anybody. And anymore. had they not converted on the two point conversion. Their fans would be doing the same thing BYU yeah. fans. Just, I can't believe we Scally. gave up 40-something points. Know, he doesn't always do it. For but. the second straight week, blah, blah, blah. It's just the thin margin yes. in college football of happiness and sadness. Yeah, and look, look at look at um, the Tennessee-Alabama game for Exhibit A, right? Yeah. That's that's where college football has gone. There's some some of the rules changes which, which have um, – uh, have helped on the offensive side. Like I'll give you a one, one, just one I have in mind. When you're a defensive back now, um, or even a linebacker, you were always taught that if you're coming up to the line of scrimmage to support in the run, or a sweep's coming your way, and a big 320 pound lineman's coming out, um, and he's going to come and block you, you hit him right in the ankles. You knock him to the ground, so you cut him, and it causes a pile up, and then the back has nowhere to go, and they've got to bounce it, and you and, and they push him to every one of your other guys. Well, guess what? You're not allowed to cut on defense now. It's against the rules. So, so now what does your DB do? Well, if I'm out there right now, I make a business decision. And go, I'm not even going to go up there anymore <laughs> because I've got to take on a 320-pounder. Yeah. Mono and mono, like, high. He's going to blow me up. I'm going to get hurt out there. So you see a lot more big runs um so, so there's i feel like there's a lot of rules changes that that uh are advantage offense i think offenses have evolved and i do think things go in cycles where i think in a few years maybe defenses change the way they do things and they catch up right now offenses have the upper hand and so you you've got to be better than BYU you you was defensively you got to yeah. get off the field you know Sometime, you know, I, I feel if you could get two stops in the first half and two in the second, hope they maybe turn it over and get a fifth stop in a game, then you need to outscore them. We used to say 24 was a good spot. Like, if you could, 
If you could score more than 24, you're going to win a game. Well, not now. No. You better score in the 30s or you got no chance in the college football. Three today. teams that lost in the Big 12 last week scored 40 or more and right. lost. And lost. And lost. What did Alabama score and lose? 48. Yeah, it's 48. Alabama. 48. With all those five stars. Alabama scored 48 and lost. So we're going to talk about fixing the BYU defense. That's what the buzz of Cougar Nation is. We're going to talk about that. Yep. And offense and where we go from here in the Big 12. Yep. Hey, uh, and how about tonight? There, there's Big 12 football scheduling news from Commissioner Brett Yormark. We're going to cover that. Yeah, absolutely, because we're all moving on pins and needles. Yep. Uh, we're going to break down the BYU-Arkansas game, look at the highs and the lows, and where the Cougars go from here before they go to Lynchburg, Virginia. So we'll take a look back, and then then we'll take a look forward. We're going to talk to you a little bit about Liberty. Um, sold out Williams Stadium, right? Yeah. It's awaiting the Cougars. This is, hey, I'm not, I'm not putting words in anybody's mouth. This is their words. This is their Super Bowl. Yeah. This is the biggest game in the history, the biggest home game in history for Liberty, which is they're going to be ready to go. And and that, that fan base, and it's not a huge stadium, but it, it's kind of a nice, you know, I would say, what, what's the word? Where it's every, like everybody's uh, kind of close. Yeah. Uh, very, the, the end zones are open. Yeah. So it's the, the two sides slabs. Are, sides are close. Like the old Cougar Stadium, yeah. right? But seats 25,000, things sold out. Yeah. A lot of interest back in Lynchburg. Biggest game in history at home. So they're going to be fired up and ready to go. I I like Liberty. I I like um, the way they're coached. I like their schemes. It's a pretty good football team. So this is going to be a, a very interesting challenge for BYU. It's a challenge they should be able to stand up to because BYU is bigger and more physical right. and has a little more speed. And so BYU's got to go execute, and they should come out of there with a win. But this is not an easy task to go on the road. BYU Sports Addict writing in saying, I actually saw the coach at Liberty talking about the upcoming game on Twitter. We're going to show that to you in just a few minutes. It's pretty cool. Uh, I think it sets a nice tone for the game. So uh, if you haven't seen it, you will see it. And and Sports Addict, hang with us because you're going to see it again. BYU alum Amanda Cox is going to be live here in studio. She's part of the alumni chapters that are in charge of all the activities around Saturday's game back in Lynchburg. But she's here on campus for alumni meetings. So she's coming over and she'll sit down with us at the top of the hour. And we'll talk about the events that are going on for those folks heading that way. Yeah, and usually the the alumni chair for an area around the country, we just have them in via Zoom. So how, this is a treat to have yeah. them in, in the studio with us. She says she's bringing her southern drawl. To the wise guys. Which is going to be a big it's a big upgrade for our show. Yeah, it really is. To have Amanda here in studio to really be an upgrade. <laughs> so that's coming up. Uh, and we're going to have uh, former tight end Andrew George, um, who one of my favorites. Uh, he's lives over in Colorado now, so he's going to come to us via Zoom yeah. um, from Colorado. We're going to talk about BYU's offense, what's happened to the tight end position. I don't know, maybe if we're lucky, we could get Drew to do um, – a little bit of Jack Johnson. Really? I don't know if he's got a guitar handy we'll close by, but 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 he used to come over to our house um, back in the day when he was playing with Kellen, and he would I would let him have my guitar, and he is one of the best Jack Johnson cover guys <laughs> I've ever heard. Great voice, great guitarist. I don't I don't know if we can convince him to do it, hey, but Den- if we can, it would be a treat. Dennis Pitta helped us with some questions yeah. for the interview. Oh, yeah. They played yeah. side by side. Oh, uh, one was on the right side, one was on the left of that line. Right. And uh, so that's coming up. We're looking forward to that. And it's uh, just about that time of the year. The men's AP top 25 preseason basketball poll is out. We'll show you what that all means for BYU. See this shirt right here? Shout out to Dwayne Oaks of the Southwest Alumni Chapter. This is what they were giving out to the folks down in Vegas 
before the Notre Dame if, game. If it and they was sent night, a couple up. If it was night, that it would be... It glows in the dark. Yeah, it would be And, and you've cooler. got one, too. So for Halloween, we could go outside and would just be these wise walking around. Oh, yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to wear mine for Halloween when we go yeah, out with my yeah. grandkids. And so. they'll, they'll love it. So thanks, Dwayne. We appreciate it. Everyone in Vegas, thanks for watching the Wise Guys yep, tonight. Yep. Hey, let's let's talk about YouTube. Um, oh, we, yeah. We need, we need people to follow us on YouTube. So so whether you watch us just at thewiseguys.com, um, uh, if you just go in there and log in there, or if you're watching it on Twitch, right. that's great. Um, but... You know, we just launched the YouTube part of our platform just a few weeks ago. And we want it to get yeah, huge. And we want that to get really, really big as well. And the, the more these different platforms can grow and get to certain levels, the more sustainable the program is over the long haul. We want to be doing this for a long, long time and yeah. bringing Cougar fans from around the country together every Tuesday night. So, so. you go to the page, and you, and the um, you, it's right we, here we, in, we the, in the We put the link in on the show, yeah. And you hit subscribe, and that's free. And then you, you, then you click on the bell. And that's free. And when you click on the bell, you get notified forever when we go on live or if we post something, ding, something yeah, and, from the wise guys. And you can see on the screen right now, we post highlights from every week. of So so Jack, our coordinating executive producer, breaks things up into cool little um, segments where if you're like, oh, yeah, I, I wish I could go see that part that Mark Wilson talked about when he quit. Yeah. And, and those little highlights are going to be there. And you can go back and watch this. Or if you haven't watched it, you can. So even if you watch on Twitch, that's fine. Just keep watching on Twitch. Love if you, you on watch Twitch. on wiseguys.com, keep watching there. But we need you to go to YouTube and subscribe so the numbers get up to there. Because when they get to a certain level, that gives us all kinds of tools and things that that, that YouTube provides. You know, we, we needed to get to a certain number on Twitch. You helped us get there. So go subscribe to YouTube so and, and help us get this thing <laughs> where we want it so we have all the tools necessary to bring you really really quality content and, and we're right about 500 which is pretty good on youtube yeah, considering we just started we want to get to a thousand so so help us out and and grow with us and we sure appreciate it and we'll keep working hard to earl car says he's proud this. to say that he's watching youtube right now so earl just Good make job, sure earl. make sure you subscribe though earl so there you go <laughs> <laughs> hey uh, let's get into some headlines and, uh, and we've got an opportunity to, to tonight. A lot of times we have lots of guests. Tonight we have a little room because there's so much to talk about that we wanted yeah, to. Yeah. It's you, Blaine, and me all together uh, in this intimate group, setting. Group therapy, as you described it. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yermark announcing today that the 2023 Big 12 football schedule will be released in early December as opposed to this month, which was the original uh, idea. So BYU is going to have to wait a little longer to find out who will be their first opponent as a fellow P5 and member of the Big 12. Yeah, which is, there was some disappointing news from, from the commissioner and then some good news from the commissioner because while we hoped we would have football schedules uh, this month and yeah. basketball next month, now we're going to get both next month. But he did say, it confirmed, that there, there's no divisions among the 14 teams. Note 14 teams, yeah. right? Um, that they're not going to be in divisions. They're just going to have a round robin. You're going to play nine teams in division. But he said Texas and Oklahoma will be in the league for the next two years. So he reiterated that. Kind of fun. Sooners and yeah. the Longhorns in the league. Um, those are big-time names that are moving to the SEC. And BYU's likely going to get a chance to play at least one of them in the each each of the next two years. And BYU's got a little bit of a series going with Texas. I think it would be, and they, you know, they've have a game against Oklahoma down Jerry Jones. But yeah. wouldn't that be nice to get one of them into Provo next year and another one the next year? Absolutely. So there's nine. We're figuring there's nine league games. There's fourteen teams. 
So there's 13 potential BYU opponents and 18 dates in the first two years. you got to believe that maybe Oklahoma and Texas have been there each a home and home. That's now, possible. That would be really fun to play. play. My choice would be next season to get Oklahoma at home and Texas on the road. Because we've had Texas at home and on the road. Let's get Oklahoma before they get everything figured out. Right. Which right now they don't. True. They are scoring a ton of points. Preferably before Texas is back. Didn't Oklahoma (laughs) score 70 last week or something crazy like that? Against who? Kansas or somebody? I can't. It it was a shootout. It was nuts. It was a shootout. um, But let's get Oklahoma home and Texas on the road this next year. And then how about Texas home and Oklahoma on the road the next year? Because it would be really great for Cougar fans to have a chance – to have Texas here once more, but to go to Texas, yeah. which is a really a special place, 110,000 people in the stands. And that, then also to have an opportunity to have the Sooners come to Provo, but to go on the road to, to Tuscaloosa, or not to Tuscaloosa, to, uh, um, I'm thinking Tuscaloosa is Alabama's home, um, to, to Oklahoma, Norman. To, to Norman, to that yeah. stadium, and, and to have a chance to, to witness that in person. That'd be really, really fun to have those two schools to be able to do that before they go to the SEC. Uh, BYU plays at Arkansas next year. It'll be their third non-conference game. And so then the question becomes, who do you want them to open with after the Arkansas game? There is no, there's no easy team. Like, well, it's uh, Kansas. They've always been in the doormat, but they're not the doormat no, the anymore. Kansas is scoring points uh, like crazy. Kansas State, no, there there aren't any. So who would you pick coming out of Arkansas to mm. come back home? Because that's a road game, so it's likely a home game. I want I want Iowa State. Iowa State. And they're not bad either. Yeah, They've been a top 25 program. We're not agitating Iowa State, but we're just saying. But but I, I do feel like there's a little bit of a chip on our shoulders about Iowa State because Iowa State was very vocal about keeping BYU out the last round. Yeah. So maybe there's something to play for to just say, hey, guess what? We're in your league and we're smacking you down. And, and we're hosting you. Right. So that that would be fun. So that would be, but yeah, but you don't want to go Arkansas, Texas or Arkansas, so Oklahoma you, think, State. Think about that league right now. There's, there's not bad teams in that league, right? I mean, in the old days, you'd say, well, Iowa State's not that good. Well, you know, Kansas isn't that good. Iowa State's a solid football team, and Kansas is scoring points like crazy. Kansas State is very, very good. Um, Who's bad in that league? Oklahoma State's a top 15. Well, let's see. The newcomers, Cincinnati, they're good. Central Florida, they're they're having a decent year this year. Uh, Houston. Houston might be the worst team of the group as of right now because they've really struggled out of the gate, but they're pretty good. Houston's been a ranked team in the last couple of years. So I, I don't know. That Maybe is one good, of those guys. That's a good league. Yeah. That is a very good league. Here's the big and, question. And, and it's deep. Um, Here, here's and, the, and, and BYU Sports Addict asked us, why was Iowa against the shoot? Remember, it's Iowa State because Iowa's in the Big Ten. Yeah. It was Iowa State who's in the Big 12. and uh, They didn't like BYU's honor code. Yeah. And and some of the points, a lot of it, which has been uh, reworded and right. and uh, redefined, so it's a little clearer, but they didn't. they jumped on that and... And, uh, and and let's be honest, what we did learn is that the Big 12 really wasn't going to expand anyway. They were right. just trying to use right. leverage to get more money from their TV partners. So while they caused a, a rift that, that hit us a speed bump, uh, it turns out that uh, maybe, they, maybe they weren't being so honest, the league, with BYU in the first place. Right, right. Like, hey, go to all this. We just want to 
you know, oh, by the way, we're not asking you out. We just wanted to see if, if you yeah. were, if you'd say yes. We, just we, say, we were you. seeing if you were interested in a date, <laughs> but we weren't really going to ask you on a date. So what kind of football are we going to see in the Big 12? And I think it piggybacks off of what we just saw, even though Arkansas is in the SEC. Um, but as you look at, at the kind of games in the Big 12, uh, I would say get ready for a season of shootouts, especially if you're going to win those games. Because BYU is going to be undermanned. They're going to be um, – the depth isn't going to be there in year one. It's going to take some time. So to win some of those games, it almost feels like uh, like it's going to be like Saturday, only BYU can't have three turnovers in a shootout because they can't afford to fall behind in possessions. So I, I was just going to this – you mentioned a few scores. So, so here's the big 12 scores from last week. West Virginia played Baylor 43-40. to 40. West Virginia wins. Uh, Oklahoma and Kansas, 52 to 42. Oklahoma wins. Iowa State and Texas, that was a low scoring event, 24 to 21. That's a low scoring. And then TCU and Oklahoma State, 43 to 40. Um, I mean, that's. that's Back and forth, too. It was. Yeah, they scored, they scored, they scored, that's they kinda, scored. That's, that's kind of what you're looking at. So you if you're going to shape your program to go into that, and you played in a lot of shootouts. And back in the days of the whack, some of our best our best seasons had games where Wyoming scored forty something points, but we scored fifty five. Yep, that's that's what happens. So if if you're Kalani and you're going, all right, we got five more games in a bowl game, six more games to get ready for our first, and then two FCS and FBS right. games before Arkansas and the Big Twelve next year. Uh, are you going? I, I have things I got to fix on the defense. That's understood. Let's all get – we all understand there's things to fix on the defense. But I got to go in to score points. Yeah, you, You've got – you have to be able to score. I didn't even mention Oklahoma and Kansas, did I? Oh, no, you didn't. That was 52-42. <laughs> Oklahoma won 50. So, and, and to give you an idea, you know, everyone's like, my goodness, BYU gave up 600 yards of total offense. Well, guess what? Oklahoma had 701 yards of offense against ranked Kansas, and Kansas only had 430. They only had 430. Yeah, couldn't win with 430 yards. And it of doesn't offense. bother. It doesn't bother the winner. It doesn't bother the winner to go. We gave up. Tennessee isn't bent out of shape for giving up 48 points to Alabama because they got 51. Yeah, that's well, the that's what matters. T- Tennessee had so to give you an idea in that Tennessee Alabama game. We're talking about Alabama here, right? Yeah. Tennessee had 567 yards of total offense against Alabama, scored 52. So did those five stars forget how to tackle? Alabama had 569 yards against Tennessee. And their coaches that are making three million bucks as a coordinator, did they lose their minds? Yeah. Or did it just happen? Football has changed, yes. But here's the thing. Tennessee figured out a way to get off the field a few, a few more times yeah. than Alabama. And that's how they won, right? right? They got off the field a few more times. And so, so BYU has got to get better on third down. That's when you get off the field, when you play well enough on first and second to, to get your opponent into a third down situation. That's when you've got to be perfect. When you've got to, everybody has to be assignment sound. You can't have missed tackles. You have to have the right leverage and take the right angle and you got to get off the field. And if you can do that two or three times more than your opponent, say you do it five or six times, five times in a game and your opponent only stops you three, then you win. Yeah. And that's how it works these days in college football. And the team that has the ball the last with more than 60 seconds is the team that's going to win. Right. And so so let's talk, like, 
And it's only a few plays that make a difference in a game. Yeah. Like people might think, well, Arkansas just it was just total and utter domination. But I'm I'm gonna take you back to just a little under six minutes left in the first half and of we, that game. And we laid all this out on After Further Review. After the show, you can go to the BYU TV app and watch it. We're going to explain it, and then you can watch it. Yeah, I would, I would submit there's four or five plays that completely change that game. Four or five plays. And so BYU is up 21-17 with the ball. And, and they... Like six minutes left in the half. Six minutes left in the half. And we're thinking, Wow. BYU gets the ball coming out of halftime. If they can take this down and take four or five minutes and score and go into the into the locker room with a 28-17 um, lead and all of the momentum and then come out and get the ball first and go down and score. Totally and different And this is game. a 35-17 game. I'm not sure Arkansas can recover from that. That's just way too much, um, you know, to, to be able to overcome. Well, so what happens instead? BYU goes down on third down. Jaron Hall runs with the ball before he gets to the first down marker, and, and we've—I I feel like Jaron's been a little tentative running the ball, worried about getting hurt, and they don't want him to get hurt. So and his shoulders a little right. jacked up. But situational awareness—that's one where you can't really slide before the first down marker. You right. got to get past the first down marker. He doesn't. He slides six inches short of the first down marker. They review it and make him six inches short. Then BYU on fourth and six inches said. Hey, we can, we can get this. So, but here's what we're gonna do. They call timeout. We're gonna call timeout. This is what we're gonna do, guys. We're gonna come out, and we're gonna we're gonna run motion. We're gonna get them thinking that we're gonna quarterback sneak it, and we're gonna go with a hard count. But we're not gonna snap it. Let's try to draw them off with a hard count. If we if we don't get them off, we'll we'll sit there for a minute. We'll call a timeout, and then we'll make a decision whether we come out with a different play, run an option, whatever, or punt it. But, but let's go get an easy first down. So they go out there, they hard count it, and the center snaps it to a quarterback that's not expecting there to be any snap at all. I don't even know if he has his hands in the right place to get this. This is after the center was told, whatever you do, don't snap it. Right. Don't snap it. Everybody stay solid. Don't jump. And so he snapped it. Ball goes out. Arkansas recovers. Yes. And so, so that's a fourth down play. And, and guess what? Then Arkansas, BYU's defense is sitting over there thinking they've got some time. they got to throw their helmets on and run out there. Arkansas gets a couple of big plays. Touchdown. Now instead of 28-17, it's 24-21 Arkansas. So now that happens so quick, BYU gets the ball back. You're thinking, all right, well, go down and, go score. Down and take, the, take lead. the lead. You get the ball coming out. Yeah. And then they throw an interception. And then, and then BYU's... And it was a bad ball. Bad, underthrown ball. Yeah. We showed it on AFR. And then... BYU's defense does a pretty good job. They stuff them on first down. They stuff them on second down, and now it's third and 11. Mm-hmm. The quarterback drops back to throw. BYU decides to blitz. Finally. Bring, six. bring the house. And they come around the corner unblocked, and they smack that quarterback, and, and we don't make the tackle. And, and then, then another guy s- smacks him. And then another guy smacks they him. They had and him. And then another guy. They Four had him. defensive linemen had a shot on that quarterback, and not one of them brought him down. So, None he, of them tur- so what, he turns around. He turns around. He runs out to the right. And by this time, they've had the ball. He's had the ball eight seconds. It's hard right. to cover guys eight seconds. He throws the ball downfield. They get a big gain. They go down. And a couple of plays later, they score a touchdown. Now the defense is on their heels. So, so now all of a sudden, it's 31 to 21. Arkansas. Yeah. Weren't we just talking about 35-17 BYU? Yeah, it swung that fast on those In mistakes. In less than six minutes, 
well, let's four big errors. Well, let's see. the first error was not getting the first down on the third down run. The second error was snapping the ball and turning it over on fourth. Right. The the third, third error, error was, was throwing an interception. And, and the, the fourth, fourth error was not being able to tackle a quarterback right. when four guys hit him on third and 11. So 17 points there. A 17-point swing, right? Right. And then BYU loses by 17. Right. And and then BYU did come out on the first drive of the second half and drove all the way down the field Got and scored. Three? But, but, but the gap was there. Yeah. The momentum was lost. BYU couldn't get off the field the rest of the game for some reason. And and BYU's offense was, you know, they were just already too far behind yeah. to, to come and match it. So while the, it was it was on the defense as, as their worst hour of the season, but it was also on the offense. Right. In a shootout, you can't shoot a blank. In a shootout, you can't not get a first on third. You can't turn the ball over on fourth. You can't throw an interception on the next drive. You can't spot them two touchdowns right before the half and all the momentum. So conceivably, you can win a game if the other team scores on eight consecutive possessions, which Arkansas did. If you score on eight consecutive possessions. Which is what Utah did. Arkansas, yeah, and Arkansas's defense is ranked 100-plus right. in stopping. Jaron Hall had a career high throwing the football. It was all right there despite how bad the defense was. That's what's maddening about the game. But but you can't just circle the defense. You've got to circle both. Right. And and we're and 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 uh, and the special teams for missing another dang extra point. Right. And you and you and I are not forgiving the poor performance by the no. defense. I feel like the defense if they can get off the field in two of those eight right. drives um, from that half, from that 6 minute mark instead of instead of let them have like just get off the field twice. Right? And they couldn't. So yes, this is a, a lot goes to the defense, but but we the the offense was a big contributor to the turnaround when you fumble the ball, fail to get a first down, and throw an interception all in the last six minutes of a half. You contributed, and BYU's offense is talented enough that they could have matched match scores. So what we're saying is let's not completely forgive the offense on this one. Because they had chances. Because they had some opportunities. This game, I would if I was going to wait it, mostly the defense's fault, but the offense contributed. The week yeah. before, just the opposite. It, was, it was mostly the offense, but the defense could have done some things. And so isn't it interesting how from week to week, um, and, and, I, and I like that uh, uh, the Painted Cougar says, research and studies show three to five plays determine most football outcomes. <laughs> that's true. And, and I don't know that research, but I would say that, <laughs> I would say that that's true. So and, and Painted Cougar, we are going to talk about soccer in a few minutes. Yeah, so Painted Cougar does say, how do we not? How do we now know that he snapped it because he saw someone in the neutral zone, so he snapped it to get them off? There was no movement. Nobody moved, and he was told, don't snap it. That's if they don't jump. That. Kalani himself yeah. announced it in the postgame. That's how we know it. It wasn't supposed to happen. And it did, and it was unfortunate. AP Top 25 is out. Oregon's the lone BYU opponent still in it. The Ducks are up to number 10. Wake Forest, who's the only team to beat Liberty this season, sitting at 14. But how about Syracuse? Robert and I, offensive coordinator, Jason Beck, quarterback's coach, and there are a few other former Cougs on that staff. They're up to number 14 at 6-0 and in their first year with the Orange. Dr. and I. They Dr. Call, and it's I. funny because in Syracuse they call him Dr. and I, which he is because yeah. he has a doctorate degree. Uh, Do and, you think he told him to, well, I want you to call I me Dr. and I? One, one of Robert and I's um, uh, role models like who taught him a lot about football was Norm Chow. Yeah. Remember, mm-hmm. Norm Chow had a doctor. Wasn't it Dr. Dr. Norm Chow? I think it was. 
it, it, it should have been if it wasn't. And guess what? It was Dr. Lavelle Edwards. Yeah, he got his doctorate. Yeah. And so so Dr. Anai, the guy knows football, <laughs> and he knows offense. And it seems like wherever he goes, he can take the talent that they give him and do a great job with him. Right? He's done a phenomenal job at Syracuse. And I grew up not far from Syracuse, and they haven't been good on offense for a long, long time with a few flashes of brilliance when they had Donovan McNabb and when they had old Joe Morris in the old days. But this is a good offensive football team, thanks to two yeah. BYU guys, Anai and Beck. They played Clemson this week at Clemson in the game of all games in the ACC. We'll, we'll do our picks. That'll be in one of our yeah, picks. that's a big one. In just a bit. All right, let's focus on 4-3 and three BYU, 6-1 and one Liberty, Saturday. Sports Nation game day begins at 1.30 Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Mountain Time on BYU TV. Cody Epps, I sat down with him. What a fantastic, just a fantastic young man. Uh, you'll see that interview on game day, and you'll say to yourself, wow, for just a freshman. Not only is he great on the field, but wait till you get to know him with his helmet off. And Yeah, he, and, uh, when, you, when you hear from Cody Epps and watch this piece that Dave did, you're going to learn what we've all known with our interactions with him this last couple of years because he's a freshman. He's been here for a couple of years because yeah. of a red shirt. But he is a perfect fit for BYU. Yeah. He's exactly what BYU needs. And and remember, like as Brian Logan, Bilo, who we work with all the time, Bilo used the term double minority. So he, he's not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's African-American um, kid. So, so he's in the minority. Religiously, he's in the minority. Um, uh, because of his heritage, um, he is a perfect fit for yeah. BYU. And he's in he, the business school, he's, and he's he, got plans. He's doing great in school. He's smart. He he embraces the culture. Um, he he loves that he's different but fits in. He loves how accepted he is. And, you know, he fits in great because he's just a really good Christian kid, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. you don't have to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to feel really plugged in at BYU. If 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 you're a if you're a Christian kid and you come to BYU, you're going to find that even if you're not Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, you're you fit in. Yeah. You cuz you have the same ideals and you believe a lot of the same things. And and that's what we find from Cody Epps. He he is just such a great fit and let me tell you this kid is really talented. I I'm really excited about his future. Oh, yeah. As a freshman, he is lighting it on fire, and he has such great awareness in the open field. So I, I love how he fits in off the field, and I love how he fits in on the field as a freshman. I asked him uh, about his uh, relationship with Jesus, and uh, he speaks freely of him in his social media posts and this and that. Wait till you see his answer. That'll be Saturday yeah. on game really, day. Really, really fun. Games on ESPNU at 3.30 Eastern, 1.30 Mountain. Yeah, live post-game show back on BYU TV as soon as it's over. Right. Um, second meeting between BYU and Liberty. Uh, the first meeting was just back in 2019 in Provo. Liberty made the trip out. BYU won 31-24. to And I remember in that game we thought, first of all, we were impressed with the program. And yeah. second of all, we were impressed with the skill set and talent level. They had a great quarterback they, and a great receiver. And they, and they were really well coached. And that hasn't changed. They're really well coached. They've had some problems at quarterback because of injuries this yeah. year, but they're pretty solid defensively. Um, and and you know this is a six and one football team coming in. BYU's uniforms for this road trip are going to be white helmet, white top, royal blue pants good with, with the white top, the royal blue trim. highlights and trim. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really clean, good road look. Yeah, I think I think they're gonna they're gonna pop and look good. 
Uh, stadium sold out, 25,000. Uh, weather's going to be sunny with a high of 71 in Lynchburg. And BYU just under a touchdown favorite. Yeah, 6.5 point favorite. So, um, See? And, and we, we already alluded to this, but um, all of the, the media coming out um, of Lynchburg, you know, coaches are not shying away from the fact that they think this is the biggest home game in the history of the program. And remember, when they started this program and moved into to, to the uh, FBS division, their, their idea was, hey, we're a Christian school, yeah. um, religious-based institution, and we want to... We want to be known for quality education, but also quality sports across the board. And the pattern, which we should pattern ourselves after, is what BYU has done out in Salt Lake or out in Provo. And uh, and they didn't make any bones about it right from the very, very beginning. And when they came out here in 2019, they talked about that. BYU is what we want to be like. Yeah. And so, so to have BYU, a P5 team, really, you know, you, you, you can argue that they're an independent, but they play a P5 schedule. Yeah. Um, perennially ranked. Hey, just when they lost last week, they dropped out of the top 25 for the first time in 17 weeks. Right. This is a huge home game for Liberty, and they're not shying away from saying that. Coach Hugh Freeze uh, had a little pep talk with his team. Liberty recorded it, and then they put it out on social media to give you a taste. Those who are watching on our live stream will see it. On the podcast, you'll hear it. But let's listen to it right now and get a taste of how big of a moment this is for the Liberty Flames. I'm going to be dead straight with you, and I debated on exactly what to say about this, but for those of you who are lucky enough, and I said lucky enough, for those of you who are lucky enough to play in this game Saturday night, uh, you're, you're getting ready to make history. It is, uh, without a doubt, um, the biggest home football game this program's ever had. I came to this school for moments like this. You came to this school for moments like this. Every hotel in town is sold out. The stadium is sold out. Um, you'll be on national TV. It is, a, it, is, it is a big game. You don't approach it any different as far as preparation, but there's no hiding from this fact that you are lucky and fortunate if you get to prepare to play in it. And I want you to embrace that, and, and but at the same time, you must earn it. At the same time, you must earn it. Uh, and they add some music there for drama, because that's what we do when we put stuff on social media. But um, you get the sense that he, and he's coming from Ole Miss, where he was a coach right. before Liberty. Right. He knows what big games are, uh, and he's trying to convince his guys and his fans to come to the game, not stay home, and not sell your tickets to BYU fans because they want this moment. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see. They were really good when they came out in 19. Mm -hmm. Their quarterback issues have changed a little bit. With with with, uh, he doesn't have a Super Bowl team to play in his Super Bowl per se, but you can tell he's trying to get get them to play up. Yeah, and they played really well against Wake Forest. Yeah, and, and Wake Forest is a quality team with similar talent to BYU. Um, who's ranked, um, and and they matched up pretty well with them, and it's because they played pretty solid defense. And, and what's happened to them, you know, they, they run a lot of run-pass option stuff, RPO stuff, where the quarterback 
reads, and he can either hand it to the back or keep it. Who would be the right like that? Key. Utah pull, State? Pull it out and throw it. Yeah, Utah State. Utah State and remember, Utah State last year was really good with it when they had a healthy quarterback yeah. play. Right. And and Liberty runs this really, really well. But, but Charlie Brewer was the perfect trigger man to run this. BYU fans will remember Charlie Brewer was the guy that started against them two years ago when BYU. Last year. Yeah. Right? yeah. Was when, it just last yeah, year? Yeah, last year. Right. For Utah. He was a Baylor starting quarterback, threw for a bazillion yards at Baylor, transferred to Utah, um, got hurt, got the job taken, um, transferred to Liberty. And in the second series of the opener this year, and he was their guy, um, he fractures a bone just below his thumb on his hand. So he was in a cast. They had to pin it. Now, my understanding is that they were hoping to get him back either this last week for the Gardner-Webb game or this week for BYU. The cast came off a few weeks ago. The pins came out two weeks ago. And what they're saying is, is as soon as he has a normal grip on the football, when he can get strong enough again to grip it, to throw it. Like Dak Prescott for the Cowboys right, that they've been waiting on. That, that he'll be back. Um, so I, I'm not going to be surprised if Charlie Brewer's back in this game. Um, on, but it would be a tough Saturday. assignment yeah. for, for him. Yeah, and that's a, that's, a, that's a tough one to come back. after been sitting for all of these weeks yeah. f- since the opener to now come back and be expected to carry him against a team. And I have this suspicion that BYU's defense is going to come out and be flying all over the place. Um, they they hear the criticism of their coaches. They hear the criticism uh, on them. Sure, I, I expect BYU to simplify in a big way for this game so that they can play fast and confident and really get after it. And, you know, I it, like uh, Dr. Ketch says, I think Liberty wishes that BYU would have won last week. I think you're right. Because they're going to come. And I, Dr. Ketch, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that, that they are going to be like a bunch of crazed dogs because they want to prove people wrong. Yeah. Um, and now their and, head coach, who Kalani Sataki, who talked about it after the game Saturday, is getting more involved with the defense. Yeah. And, and that should inspire and, guys. And Kalani, you know, in his post-game thing, you know, he's been talking about, um, you know, they've got to simplify things. they they got to make it simple. Like, I see, I see some really uneducated tweets out there where people are like, oh, Arkansas's just too fast, and yeah. Notre Dame was just too physical. Right. BYU matches up perfectly fine with Notre Dame physically. Notre Dame's not bigger and more physical. Arkansas is not faster than BYU. That's a 10-year-old um, take. Right. Like, BYU didn't used to be fast. BYU's got guys that run 10, 500 meters playing corner. Arkansas couldn't catch Puka and Cody no. Epps all day this, long. For BYU, these losses have nothing to do with, oh, they're too slow. Right. You know, th- that narrative is... And right alongside the narrative, oh, BYU's got 27-year-old guys playing on the offensive line, right? Those are old, tired narratives. BYU has plenty of speed to match up with anybody. But they, from a scheme perspective, they have been really poor on the defensive side of the ball the last couple weeks. Two guys in the same gap, taking the wrong angle, doing these things. As a coaching staff, then you have to take a look at yourselves and say, okay, this has happened for... You know, two or three games in a row now. And it wasn't great against Utah State. Right, Wyoming. that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's not or just... Oregon. It's yeah. it's like two, three, four games in a row. We go back and look at the film and you're going, wait a minute. Why, why are our guys playing this hesitant? Why do I have two guys in the C gap and nobody in the D gap? Yeah. Why, why is my end going in like he's supposed to, but the backers go to the same spot and not spilling out and taking... Like, then you have to look at yourself 
and you have to say, okay, what we're putting out there is too complicated right. or, or we're not coaching it well enough. So what do you do? You pull back and you say, we just have to simplify it. You, you got kids that can run. You got kids that can be physical. For them to play fast, it, it, obviously it has to be simpler. And so I think I think BYU is going to come with a simpler, more concise game plan, especially on the defensive side of the ball, so these athletes can play fast and not be confused. And, and that will make all the difference. And if they can do that, then... There are then Liberty's going to have some problems. Then so, they're dealing with yeah. a team that was number twelve a few so, weeks ago. And Bluesville one asked me, Blaine, is the speed there in the D line for Rush? And BYU, I really like their guys at end, and typically your ends are upfield rushers. Um, Tyler Batty's got plenty of speed to get around the edge. You guys got like Mangelson and Larson, and the, these guys are all fine on the end. They're not. They don't have great quickness inside. I'd yeah. like to see them upgrade um, there on the inside, but those guys are big enough to hold their ground. BYU not getting pressure is more a, is a scheme thing. <clears throat> they've they've played this mentality the last several weeks, where they're going to build a wall and get in front of these quick throwers and get their hands up, rather than really go and go turn the corner and be really aggressive on the D line. Again, I, I think we're going to see that simplified. I think they're going to turn those those guys loose a little bit more. Yeah, Tyler Batty's plenty capable of getting turning the edge and right and, and pass rushing and and so are those other guys I mentioned, Mangelson and Larson and. Um, I'm trying to think who else is there's somebody that's hurt that I'm forgetting. Haas has been in there somewhere. I yeah, he's in, he's inside. Inside. Um, uh, Greer, I think, got, yeah, is it, got they, hurt. They, they've got they've got um, some good talent on the on the perimeter at end, um, and and the D line. <clears throat> it's just a different scheme they've been playing, and they haven't. This last week they brought five and six, but they didn't really just release the hounds and let them go get it. All right, while you take a drink, let's listen to Kalani Sataki. Here's what he said as he addressed the media to start the week as they prepare for Liberty. Well, back to a new week. Obviously, um, disappointed over the the result last weekend, and I think you guys heard me talk about that after the game. Had opportunity to look at it and review it, and then, uh, you know, get get ready for this week. it's a difficult uh, team. I mean, Liberty's really well coached. Hugh Freeze is, is a great coach, and um, they've had some injuries even at the, at the uh, quarterback position. And for that team to be six and one right now, and uh, I think their only their only loss was to a ranked team, Wake Forest, by one, and that's because they went for two, tried to win at the end. You know, so uh, high-powered offense, really good running back. A, 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 a group of running backs that can run the ball, and then whoever they have that quarterback, I'm sure they're going to coach really well and, and um, have really, really good skill uh, receivers. And, and uh, defense is tough too, so uh, really well coached team. Got a tough matchup this weekend. Um, looking forward to our team, you know, uh, correcting some things from last week and the last couple of weeks where we're kind of in a funk right now. Obviously, with with the uh, last couple of weeks not getting the results that we we hope for, um, but going through some adversity right now, but I think there's going to be a lot of growth, uh, a lot of things to learn, um, keep this uh, positive attitude about trying to get better, and but also uh, you know, have optimism that, that we'll get through this. And so, and we'll get through this by working hard today and getting back on it and, and um, holding each other accountable and, and, and everybody doing their part. So that's the, the focus going into this week. 
Kalani Sataki, who they ever have a quarterback. He said that because they're preparing for uh, any one a of three, of right? Yeah. So, so we mentioned Charlie Brewer's injury, and then they replaced Charlie Brewer. They have a really talented freshman quarterback in Caden Salter um, that that played, you know, for for four games. Um, and Jonathan Bennett has won the last three games, right? So Bennett, who's a junior, he, you know, he's played in the last last several. Um, th- the problem with Salter and Bennett is. Uh, completion percentage hasn't been great. Not as experienced as yeah. Charlie Brewer. Um, you know, in that type of offense that they run that RPO, you'd expect completion percentage to be in the mid-60s. And uh, and, and Caden Salter, uh, you know, was right around 55%. And then Jonathan Bennett has been at right around 50, like 50 to 51% in these games. And the touchdown-to-interception ratio, Salter's two touchdowns, two interceptions. Bennett, who's been the guy that's that's won some games for him, Six touchdowns, six interceptions, um, and it's it, so it's an interesting thing. So against Gardner Webb, um, they win. He's seventeen of thirty for two hundred twenty-two yards, fifty-six percent of his passes, one touchdown, two interceptions. So the quarterback play hasn't been great. Yeah, you know, with these with the second and the third guy, and they're still winning games. That's what Kalani's talking about. That's Hugh Freeze does a really nice job. He's a very good football coach. They've figured out how to win games even when they've had to play their second and third guy. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if if Charlie Brewer comes back. And their win, Southern Mississippi, UAB, who beat BYU in the bowl game, Akron, Old Dominion, UMass, and Gardner-Webb. Those aren't, uh, you're not writing home on any of those wins, but there will one loss. Wake Forest was number 18 back on September 17th. And uh, the Flames got beat 37 to 36. And went for two, as Kalani mentioned. And, and they get that, and all of a sudden they've got a signature just, just like, win. Hey, it, you, Utah goes for two and gets it against yeah. USC, and that's a big-time win. But they easily could have gotten stopped when going for two, and they, and they lose, and everybody would be going, hey, what's going on? So that's how close um, they are to being undefeated right now. And they, their running backs and, and receivers are different than BYU's seen the last – BYU's seen these – Big, fast, fast, powerful, yeah, tireless. Like when we when I was watching film of Arkansas, so the first thing I do when I'm watching film is I look to see what personnel group, like, oh, what kind of personnel group do they have on the field when I'm looking at their offense. How many tight? So when I say personnel group, is it eleven personnel? Is it one running back and one tight end? Is it twelve? One one running back and two tight ends? I'm looking down at Arkansas film. I'm like. Can't tell what personnel group this is. How many tight ends are out there? And I'm thinking, why can't I tell? Well, because their wide receiver was six five. Yeah. Their slot receiver was six four. Their quarterback six four two forty. Their running back was six three two thirty. Their tight end was six five two fifty five. Like this was a big, huge group. And then across the front line, Arkansas was six seven three thirty six six three twenty six seven three twenty. It's an enormous football team. Uh, Notre Dame was also a really big football yeah. team. So Liberty is a different challenge. A lot of quickness. They don't have more speed than Arkansas, but a lot of quickness. Day-Day Hunter is their top running back. He's 5'10", 190. He looks like a midget out there on the Arkansas team, right? <laughs> but but he's averaging six yards a carry. So he's got great quickness. Um, Lewis is their kind of backup guy that spells him. He's 5'8", 170. Like, I don't know if you could even see him if he was on Arkansas in Arkansas's huddle, right? Their top receiver is Demario Douglas, um, real quick route runner, gets separation, great feet, really, really quick. He's five eight one seventy. He's by far their leading receiver, thirty four receptions. He's averaging sixteen yards a reception. He gets a lot of 
yardage after he catches it. He reminds me of Cody Epps. It's a little smaller version of Cody Epps. So this is a very different look team than what BYU's faced the last couple of weeks. And BYU needs to approach this like a season opener. This is a regroup after what happened against Arkansas and, uh, and whatever adjustments are being made to, to take the field back there and, uh, and face just exactly what you described and take care of business and then come home for East Carolina. They're back to a G5 schedule now for the rest of the way, except for Stanford uh, on Thanksgiving weekend. So uh, a, a P5 should go and pound G5s, uh, even though they don't always. But un- under these circumstances, that's exactly what we should expect to see on Saturday because of where they've been and what they're coming from. Right. B- BYU is, should be down the stretch here. A little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit faster than everybody they play yeah. down the stretch. Until they get until the Stanford game. Right. And Stanford, um, I think BYU has a little more team speed than Stanford does, but Stanford's a big football team too. So until they play Stanford in the last game of the season, BYU should have a size advantage. They should have a speed advantage. They should have a strength advantage in every game. But you know what? That's all nullified. When you don't execute. Exactly. Like when you got two guys in the same spot or you've got three defensive backs lined up <laughs> at the same depth playing man-to-man and when the other team runs a crossing route, the three of them run into each other like yeah, the three that's stooges. Not, that's not good. And, and, and a guy comes wide open. Wow. You can be really big, really strong, really fast, but if you're not where you're supposed to be and you're not executing, you get beat by teams with less size, less speed, and less strength. And, and Liberty is a team that so far, even without – their number one guy in Charlie Brewer at quarterback, they've figured out a way to be really effective because they've executed really well. That's a testament to good coaching by Hugh Freeze and his staff. So this is no walkover back there. But if BYU plays well, they should beat them. They should win. Saturday afternoon, 3.30 Eastern time there in Lynchburg. Uh, as for the BYU-Boise State start time, we're still waiting on that. That's in two weeks on a Saturday up in Boise. Let's hope it's not like 9 o'clock at night because the weather's starting to turn. Yeah, we're, we're going to know that next over week, here. right? Women's so. Volleyball, number 17, BYU. They're at number 4, San Diego, on Friday on the WCC Network. What a huge battle that is. Cougars back home October 27th against Gonzaga on BYU TV. Hey, and how about BYU women's soccer? Like, uh, one, one of our uh, listeners, uh, viewers, said, hey, are you guys going to talk about women's soccer? Yeah, we're going to because I feel like they're back, Yeah, right? They're they're finally figured out. A lot of new faces, but a lot of talent on that team. And Jen Rockwood told us early on, yeah, they're going to be able to compete with anybody, but it just took some time, I feel like, for this team to gel a little bit. They're fresh off of a 4-1 victory where they dominated over previously unbeaten Portland, who's a really, really good program. They've got a huge showdown showdown at Pepperdine in Malibu tomorrow. Um, a lot of people say the Waves are the best team in the league, yeah, and so this, we'll this see. Is, this is a big one. They host Gonzaga Saturday night at 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain on the BYU TV app, so you'll be able to watch that. Hey, the Cougs are on a six-game or six-match unbeaten streak right now. Ties in soccer drive me crazy. Yeah, but was five times. Yes, yeah, um, so, but, but they're back in the coaches' poll now at number 19. So, so congrats So the coaches are kind luck. of recognizing, yeah, you know what? They're, they got this thing going. Jen knows what she's doing. The, the young talent's coming along. I, I, mark my words, by the end of the year, you know, this will be a team that will will make some noise um, in the WCC tournament and the NCAA tournament. Here's the thing. We've seen that soccer field in Malibu on campus. I would just be staring at the ocean That's the whole problem. game. That's my How many times <laughs> have you and I done a game 
at Pepperdine, a basketball game, and we're in the arena, and, and I'm saying to you at the breaks, like, nobody's here. BYU's no. got, like, three times. How does – why does anybody come here and play basketball? And then after the game's over, we walk out of the front of that arena, and we look out, and I go, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's the this coast is, right there. This is why. It's awesome. <laughs> this view they're is out, why. They're pools outdoors. Yeah. It's so foreign. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful campus. And you're right, that field – yeah, it's just, it's just like as picturesque as it comes, and BYU's is pretty awesome with the mountain backdrop and with the with the record setting right, crowd. Malibu, oh man, that's awesome. That's, we how wish, they, that's how they get great players. Wish the Cougars the best of luck tomorrow against uh, Pepperdine. Uh, men's hoops, the Cougars scrimmage against Stanford on Saturday in Santa Cruz, California. So they'll be over there. The blue white scrimmage at the Marriott Center is next Wednesday, October twenty sixth. 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain on BYU TV. Blaine and I and Spencer will be on the call. It'll be fun to see all the new faces. The first exhibition game, the only one, is Wednesday, November 2nd against Ottawa out of Arizona. That will also be on BYU TV at 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain. So we're about to, we're about to straddle both sports, and it's, it makes October into November and December a, a lot of fun. That's, cra- that's our crazy time, right? Yeah. October and November is our crazy time when – you have to remind me. Hey, don't forget, we have a game tomorrow. It's football night. tomorrow. Yeah. Hey, and don't forget, we've got countdown to kick off on Saturday. Dave, <laughs> Dave keeps me on point. Sometimes. Because so, I juggle like, I have two calendars. If somebody can tell me I need a tutoring job on how to combine my Outlook calendar with my Apple calendar, because they, they won't go together. No, they're, they're enemies. They so fight. I, have to, I have to look at both of them. You say, can you do this tomorrow? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me look at both <laughs> of my calendars. That's very, why we never play golf. Very confusing. Yeah. You and I have not played golf, which, which by the way, we love golf, yeah. and we have access to Riverside Country. We blame Club. ourselves. It's like right out of Sandlot. We we blame we, ourselves. We have access to Riverside Country Club, which is one of the finest courses in in the country and one of the best in Utah for sure. certain. We haven't played like in eight weeks. Uh, the last right. time we played, we played with one of our guests, Dan Forsman. Yeah, and he worked us. Yeah. Yes, he did. I get worked a yeah, lot. Yeah, over like there. I remember, he shot thirty on the back nine. Well, he's a professional, remember. He is a professional, professional golfer. Professional. i got to remember that. The so. AP preseason top 25 basketball came out. Here's what it matters to BYU. Yeah, number two, Gonzaga. They played them January 12th in Provo and February 11th in Spokane. When is Gonzaga not in the preseason top five? Ever. That's just where they live. It's there, that's a Mark Few, what an unbelievable job he's done. And did you see how kind Mark was? Um when asked about, in WCC Media Days, when asked about BYU leaving and going to the Big 12. Yeah. He was very gracious. He talked about the league being better because BYU was in it, made the league a much better place. He said, I understand what BYU is doing. It's what's best for their programs and all their sports. It's a great thing for them. We need to be grateful for them being in the, I, he And was, he hoped that they keep playing. Right. He said, I'd love to see that good. series continue, which I would too. Yeah. But how gracious was Mark Few? It was really nice to hear. It was, it was good. They're going to go to the Bahamas, BYU, and play in that tournament where they could face number 5, Kansas, number 11, Tennessee, and number 24, Dayton, over Thanksgiving. Yeah, and how come you and I aren't going to that? Because we, we got, we've got Stanford on that Saturday. But still, it seems like we could come uh, back could, from could the Bahamas. Could we go do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday Feels in the Bahamas like we could. and fly Feels, back? We don't even have to go to the games. We could just go is to this, the Bahamas. Is this thing at the Atlantis Resort? Because I feel I like so. I somebody is. should have some hookups there <laughs> so, that, that we could do the shows from down there. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, hey, they play number nine Creighton on December 17th down in Mandalay Bay in Vegas. Now, you should have some hookups for we that. we got one, some hookups. We're going to give out some tickets, too, to our, yeah. our wise we, guys. Because you know the promoters of that game, right? Yeah, and we're going to have them on the show. Yeah, we'll have them on, 
and maybe we'll, hey, if if you will promise us that you will go and subscribe to the YouTube, uh, to our YouTube channel, we might give you some tickets. We might find out. We might figure out a way to to <laughs> do some to do a raffle or something for some tickets let's, to that game. Yeah, let's do that. So November nineteenth is San Diego State or number nineteen. Sorry, the Aztecs are number nineteen. November eleventh, they host BYU in San Diego. So that's the involvement for the top twenty-five for BYU. Th- those are the when BYU goes to the Big Twelve, the two rivalries out here in the West that I want to see them keep alive are San Diego State and Gonzaga yeah. in basketball. And Utah. Throw Utah Yeah, in and there. Utah. Yeah. Um, it's just like, I, I think that there's, it's a great rivalry with San Diego State, but there's a, there's a lot of respect there. Brian Dutcher, you know, um, and and Mark Pope have respect for one another. The two really, really good programs. And I, I feel like Mark Few and, and Mark Pope, I those two rivalries I think are, are ones that we should work really, really hard to keep in that basketball schedule. Yeah, I agree. Uh, speaking of hoops, Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark announcing the 18-game Big 12 basketball schedule for 23 and 24. Both for the men and the women will be announced in December. Talked about that yeah. earlier. A BYU sports addict saying, okay, is it going to be the Big 14 for the first couple of years? I don't know, but the, I... The answer is it's still going to be called the Big 12 because that's their trademark, but there are going to be 14 teams for 23 and 24. And if they expand and bring some of those in, the Big 16 sounds good to me. The yeah, Big 16. I'm, I'm fine with Not that. The Big 16. So, and and people are mentioning that we need to get like Oklahoma and Texas up here. Yeah, we weren't counting on them. No, we we thought they'd be they'd pay their fee. Maybe on the chalkboard we'll just draw UT. But, but Granite rights were a little know, more you. complicated than <laughs> yeah. we anticipated, and so they're staying. Yeah, a little more complicated than they anticipated. And, and, and how about Brett Yormark, the commissioner? Um, Pretty sharp. Oh man, he's so far ahead of the curve, and uh, and he's he's doing a great job. He's already had discussions with the television partners about extending contracts and all that, and he's getting a jump on the Pac-12. So that's pretty cool. Hey, women's hoops, BYU's exhibition game against Westminster on October 27th at 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain is on the BYU TV app. Our really good friends Spencer Linton and Kristen Kozlowski will be calling that one. All right. Coming up on The Wise Guys, Brandon Doman and Steve Cleveland will join us next week. Alema Harrington, Max Hall will be with us as we kick off November. Kellen Fowler is going to be with us. We're working on Brandon Campbell, the bassist for Neon Trees, to come in. Uh, that's going to happen. David Nixon will be with us as well as we roll into the holidays. More news and notes from campus in just a bit. But our first guest tonight is a BYU alum from the class of 1996. She's the alumni chapter chair in Charlotte, North Carolina, working with the alumni chapters from North Carolina Central and Washington, D.C., as BYU fans converge on Lynchburg, Virginia, this weekend for the BYU Liberty football game. Amanda Cox, welcome to the Wise Guys. You've traveled a long ways to be on our show. Thank you so much for having me. So what have you been doing all day? So I've been at the BYU Alumni Conference for the last couple of days, and I'm glad I was in town. What, what is the BYU Alumni Conference? Is, is that... Because they exclude that, oh, Blaine and I yeah, from all no, those. Hey... <laughs> Dave and I did graduate from this fine institution, <laughs> but but we've never gotten an invite to that. So how do we get in on that in the future? As soon as you become a chapter chair, oh. and somewhere in the United States, you get invited to. So the you're you're telling us it takes some work. Take some responsibility. Okay, so we'll probably never be. <laughs> so when are you we'll going back? Invited when are you that. going back? I fly back tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes. okay. and so you'll be there for the big game and all that. Yes. Stuff. When, yes. When I hear about Amanda, what Amanda's like, she's like 96. I'm feeling like she's probably walking in here going. 
Yeah, when I was in school, we were number five in the country, and we we went to the Cotton Bowl and we spanked Kansas State, future Big Twelve opponent. Is that, that how you a- feel when you come in here? I don't know that I necessarily feel like that, but I remember my football years at yeah. BYU. It just that was fondness. We asked this question to the Tampa, Eugene, and Las Vegas alumni folks as they got ready for their pregame festivities uh, this season. How big of a deal is it to have the BYU football team come to your area? Oh, it's a huge deal for us. I mean, my family and I travel every time they're just about east of the Mississippi. Um, We've been doing that since my children were young. My oldest is 23 now. So uh, we uh, really, since my husband and I graduated, we have been following them and try to attend every time that they're east. There's something about it. We've been on the road with the team. There's something about when the buses pull in. uh, What is it? It is a bonding thing, right? For sure. And it's, it's funny as we travel, everybody thinks that we're all from Utah and they all are always so grateful that we've traveled from Utah and we explain, Oh no, we are really local. We're, you know, we're <laughs> close by. Um, but they are, it is just for us. It's just seeing our alma mater come to town. And, um, especially when it's not as close as, as a lot of other alma maters. For sure. so, so you're, you live in Charlotte, right? I do. In, in the Metro Charlotte area. How far of a drive is it from Charlotte down to Lynchburg? It's about three hours. So that's not too bad. No. That's not too bad. It's like us going to St. George. Yeah, well, lots yeah. of people make the drive from all around here yeah. three hours in for games on Saturday for a home game. So so you're heading home. You're going to drive down to Lynchburg. Um, like, how many fans do you think we're, are going to make the trek? It's a 25,000-seat stadium. Is it going to be a BYU takeover, or is that impossible because the Liberty fans are so excited about this game? I don't know that it's going to be a BYU takeover. It's also Parents Weekend um, for Liberty, so I know they have a lot of um, fans coming in. I hope we're going to have a huge contingency. Um, it is a smaller stadium, but I sure hope we'll have three to 5,000. That's my hope. Weather's going to be perfect. It's it an is. afternoon game. So what activities do you have surrounding the game? So Friday night, we have Interfaith Fireside um, that is actually at Diamond Hill Baptist Church. It is actually with the church that we've had a relationship with the church for a while that we were unaware with um, when we started making plans. But um, uh, Reverend Dr. Owen Cardwell and Elder Matthew Scott, who is the Area 70, will be um, moderating that. Fantastic. And then and anyone can go to that? Anyone can go to that. So you're going to have multi- multiple speakers from multiple faiths there'll be um i'm not exactly sure who all will be on there but i know for sure those two and a few other speakers will that's be there pr- as well. that's pretty cool okay and yeah. what, what what church is it a diamond hill baptist church diamond hill baptist church so folks yeah. can google that and get yes directions. and it's on the website too all okay. the information is on the alumni.by so that's friday night and then you probably everyone's on there you turn them loose by midnight to just roam the area and get ready for the game right, right. We, yes we, so then saturday what Saturday, the tailgate starts at 11.30. It's from 11.30 to 2. It's at the Liberty Mountain Conference Center, which is adjacent to the campus. It's not very far for you to walk to. Um, there'll be uh, games and more. If you bought tickets, there's um, good Southern barbecue for you to eat. And then we have our service project um, as well. We are doing a literacy drive in conjunction with um, Liberty School of Education, the BYU Education Society, and Southern Virginia University's Education Department. And so, and what is that? What are you trying to get done? So we are collecting books for, and will benefit the United Way of Central Virginia. So these books will go out into the area for children that are lacking literacy books, or also they create um, packets for children that are rising kindergartners, and they will have those books for them. Nice. That makes it makes is proud wherever BYU goes there's always some charitable um 
project that's going on and people locally benefit from it, which is really cool. Absolutely. In fact, when I was on a Zoom call with Liberty, they were saying, you know, y'all are the only ones that have ever asked to partner with us um, as an opposing team. And and you didn't just come in and kick up your heels. You're coming in to work and serve. So we appreciate that. We've got a link to your website to get all the information. Uh, and folks who aren't going to the game but listen to this show and follow the Cougars, they can get involved as well, right? Absolutely. We have, um, there's information on that website as well, but there's an Amazon wish list of books that we have created. And um, as my daughter has told me since I've been here, my house is overflowing with boxes from Amazon. So I love <laughs> that people are contributing from all around the country. Um, I already I had a 201 books at my house before I left to come out here. So I don't even know wow. what is there. That's awesome. Um, so That's it's very exciting. Such great stuff and such great exposure for, for BYU and for, and for, you know, uh, our, our good partners at Liberty who, Absolutely. who have, have come right out and said that they want to be the BYU yes. of the East, which I think is, yes. is really a neat thing. And Southern Virginia universities, there's a lot of schools out there that want to be like BYU and it's a good model to follow. It is. And they are so close. And so that's what we thought about. It was like, you know, BYU is going to walk away, but they're an hour away so that we create that relationship and they'll be able to continue that after we leave. So I want to take you back to, you mentioned that there's going to be some Southern barbecue there now. Texas people are always trying, and Dave served his mission in Texas, right. are trying to tell us that the best barbecue in the United States is in Texas. But I have North Carolina friends and Virginia friends. My, my son went to uh, law school at, at the University of Virginia, UVA mm -hmm. in Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. Like, how does it match? Like, Carolina barbecue, Virginia barbecue, or Texas barbecue? What is best? So really, it's about the sauce. Mm -hmm. And so each area has different sauces. And so, um, you know, there's the mustard-based sauce, there's the vinegar-based vinegar sauce, and there's the tomato-based sauce. When you're I, making it at home, which way do you go? I don't make it at home. Really? You know, I, it requires a smoker and a lot of, <laughs> a lot of plans. A lot of and I, professionals? That's more than, yes. Is that what you're saying? And there's, there's plenty of professionals back there. Right? There are. There are. So you're never at a lack of it. But I'm a mustard-based um, sauce girl. Mm -hmm. So... Outside of being here for those few years as a student at BYU, you've spent your whole life in the Carolinas. I have. North or south. What are, what are Blaine and I missing? What are, what are the folks out west missing uh, from your homeland over there in the Carolinas? Excellent food, um, excellent hospitality. Um, and I think uh, it's just that neighborly uh, generational knowledge together of being together and, um, and looking out for each other. That's what I to me growing up in a small town is, in the south that's is that what, what southern like. hospitality is that the definition of southern hospitality right yes we can also be we're very genuinely kind and we can be very genuinely unkind as well <laughs> so, so yeah, does everybody follow the panther panthers back because we got brady christensen back there playing left tackle for carolina mm -hmm. yeah everybody in, in carolina follow him yes. and, and support him there yes there are a lot of byu alumni in that area we were back for the west virginia right. game at the washington DC or the Commander the, the, Stadium. The Commander Stadium, yeah. Um, what was it, JFK or something? Whatever it was. Yeah, I don't know what it is now. Uh, That's where the I don't know what the new name. And there was a huge is. following of BYU fans from from that area. Yeah. And then we were at the Virginia games, yes. and um, and so what, how many are in that area? Those, in the that, Charlotte area? Yeah. Uh, gosh, I don't. I mean, we have six stakes now, which okay. we did not have wow. before, um, and it just continues to grow. In fact, we learned um, a few weeks ago when the new stake was created that North Carolina is the 
fifth fastest growing state in the church outside of, from the West, other than the West. So wow. yeah. it's a, I think it's a big area and we love it. And, and you don't mind crossing the border into Virginia for a football game. Well, actually my husband is from Roanoke, Virginia. Oh, oh yeah. So, so Caroline and married a Virginian. Yeah. Wow. So and we met here at BYU. You met here at that's, BYU. that's where people, so people <laughs> from North Carolina and Virginia, they go to Provo to meet, to move back to the, to the southeast so after the marriage. Before right? we hit you up with five quick questions, and we sure appreciate having you on, what, what's the key, three keys for BYU to win this game on Saturday? Oh, I hope we just play well as one of the things. I think um, number like two. Like play a complete game for once? <laughs> I think if we can just play to the, our potential, we definitely have the ability to do it. Yeah. Um, I think we'll have great uh, fan support, so that will be great for them and, and know that no matter where they are, they are supported. And it's important for the team to give the fans something to yell about. Absolutely. Right? Which we didn't have in Eugene after the first quarter. And uh, and, and I had a hard time down in Las Vegas. Right. Uh, because Notre Dame had grinded out the ball to, and the to clock. Dave's theme, for so you know what long. fans love to cheer about? Lots of points. They like points. They love to see their team score lots of points. So. All right. So, and uh, what's the third element oh, there? What's the third element? I think... You're just going to have a great time, and you're in the South. You can't beat it, so it's the perfect place to win. Enjoy the South. There we go. That's awesome. Take, take in the moment, right? So Okay, Amanda Cox from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we've got five questions for you. Ready? Okay, I'm ready. And these are, these are ones like you don't think about them. You just answer them. Okay. okay. All right. But you answer them truthfully. Yeah, truthfully. Because we're recording well, and if this. you don't think about them and you just answer them, <laughs> that's when you answer them. You know, don't do you want, think, do you want some water? Are you about, good? I'm good. Don't think okay. about what the right answer is. <laughs> just answer the answer. So um, first thing that comes to your mind, your favorite sports movie. Um, remember the Titans. Titans. All right. That's what I am talking about. That's mine too. And you know what? It's a lot of our guests' favorite. Yeah. We, it's a great football movie. Wait, what? What did Dan Forsman? We were talking about Dan. What was Dan's again? It might have been Hoosiers. Was it Hoosiers? Was, was he it in that Hoosiers one? or was his a golf movie? Oh, I thought it was Rocky. Wasn't it Rocky? I can't. I, yeah, I don't I can't. know. We we have some. There's movie. only a. It's a small we community have, yeah. of really good sports. We have some Hoosiers. We have some. Remember the Titans. But I thought that Dan threw us out a like a different one. But I don't know. He didn't say Tin Cup. We have to add, no, not to. Bagger Vance might be my second yeah. closest. Ooh, the oh, legend really? of Bagger Vance. Yeah. yeah, Carolina's one of the great golf states in yes, the country. Yes, for okay. sure. Favorite singer or band? Oh, I'd have to go with Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. That's Man, you classic. Need, you need to talk mm -hmm. to my wife. Nice. <laughs> I mean, like, he's old and she's still in love with him. I don't understand. It's because it's he's a rock star. Yeah, and he does have some great stuff. Favorite breakfast cereal? Oh. This is very important. Think I, it through. I'm going to have to say... My younger version, that would be Captain Crunch. I can't that, handle that. Awesome. I can't that's handle days. the He's sugar Captain anymore. I had, a bowl of, I had a bowl of Captain Crunch before I came over to this show. Did you? Yeah, Captain, Captain Crunch. Crunch. I had some Apple Jacks before I came over. Oh. We always eat cereal before we come to the show. It's a healthy choice. It is yeah. a healthy choice. And, 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 and by the way, we're no respecters of people that eat non-sugar cereals. So don't, like we, we highly respect people that say Captain Crunch and don't say, Oh, I eat plain like, life cereal, like, not even or, cinnamon life. Or uh, shredded wheat. Who said Who said plain life? Uh, one of our guys. We didn't see coming either. And we're like, no. And he said, yeah. And we go, please tell us that you put like four teaspoons of sugar on that. So we very much respect Captain Crunch. My only question to Dave and you on this is, no Crunch Berries? I am a Crunch Berry fan. Thank yeah, you. I just do them straight. Yeah. Okay, well, Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries is very fine. With 2% milk. That's fine, That's, I don't vary okay. for that. Your favorite memory at BYU? So my husband and I, we were dating at the time, um, about like 10.30 at night, decided with some friends to go hike the Y 
Um, we had no idea there was a path or a trail. Um, so we went up the mountain. You just at, went straight up. Straight up the mountain. <laughs> you yeah, know, in the dark. In the dark. Um, you know, the Lord blesses idiots and fools. And so um, we were like, and our friends were like, I think there has to be a trail around here somewhere. <laughs> Once we got to the very top, we realized there was a trail and we did take it down. But it was um, not fun that night. And we're grateful that we didn't get hurt. But uh, we did... Uh, Thoroughly enjoy hiking the Y. That's literally hiking the Y. Literally hiking the Y. That Gavin, my youngest, who coaches coaches here at BYU now, he and I hate the Y hike. It's all, I do it's, it every it's, time it's, I come out. It's do on, it, I do. It, it's this zigzag, zigzag on a dusty road, and it's on, steep on the west Very facing steep. slope of yeah, a mountain with no fans. trees on it in the sun. No, I do not like it. We're not big fans of it, but it's a great view on trip. And, the, and then one time, my wife and daughters decided. We should go past the Y and hike all the way to the top of that mountain. I have a There's bad just knee. another mountain behind it. No. You might as well just be on a ladder for the last <laughs> mile and then coming down a ladder for when you're coming down from the top of that mountain. I was like, you guys, you led me to a bad place. It was not good. So, okay. All right, here's the last so, one. So, right. your favorite southern cuisine. Oh, it'd have to be barbecue. Really? Like yeah. ribs or chicken yes. or just anything? Um, well, that's the difference between, Armadillo. I would say, the west and the east. is like we... Signed up to go to a thing on Saturday, and it was a barbecue, and I got there, and I realized, I was like, oh, they mean a cookout, so they had burgers and hot dogs. Yeah. They call barbecue, it's not oh, barbecue, yeah. you're and talking you, about brisket? You turned yes. right around Cold and pork. left? Yes. Brisket Smoked is my- chicken? Yes. Yes. It sounds delicious. Oh, it man, sounds you know what? Delicious. I just got hungry. We're glad that uh, that you're involved with the Cougs. We're glad they're coming to your neighborhood and uh, appreciate the chapters. Will you let everybody know about the Wise Guys? We're free, and this is a two-hour fix of BYU stuff every week. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, and we'll be watching from our game day studios. Yes. Spencer Linton will be back there if you need someone to talk at the tailgate. Oh, by the way, the tailgate. You can't just walk in, right? You got to buy a ticket. No, anyone can come. Oh, everyone can come. Uh, there are things that are certain, certainly for paid people only. But anyone is welcome to come. And there, so are even if you're not at the game, come, come down, right? Come down. And if you want to eat, bucks. you can spend. You, you can just spend buy five bucks. Or yeah. Yes. Oh, I love it. Great. Okay. Cougars are coming to to Liberty, and and Amanda Cox and the crew will be there to greet them. Thank hey, you. Thanks for being with we'll us. We'll let Amanda. you get back to your meetings. Yes. Thank you so much. Awesome. When when you go back to your meetings, you say, "Hey, what'd you do on your break? Well, I went over and hung out with." Dave and Blaine, and tell them. they peppered me with questions I all will, over the world. Because and, we're and, great fans. We watch you guys all the time. And tell them, <laughs> tell them never eat healthy cereal. Always <laughs> eat sugar cereal. That's our motto here. So. Amanda Cox, the Thank alumni you, chair in Charlotte, North Carolina. Thank you. So. Thank you. Appreciate that. Hey, plan to be with us next Tuesday as we uh, light the flames on After Further Review. We're going to break down the Liberty game, preview the October 28th game against East Carolina. That's a Friday night game. Watch AFR on the free BYU TV app starting Tuesday at 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain on the free BYU TV app. DJ, can you put that graphic up just because it's super cool? And, and our guy Cameron over at BYU TV worked hard on it. Uh, and in the fourth quarter of these home games, they bring out the fire dancers. One of the, this guy's one of them. And uh, it's the Liberty Flames. And so we went with the theme, Light the Flames. And uh, that's when we'll be October 25th, 7 o'clock Eastern, 5 Mountain on the BYU TV app, and we look forward to that. Do we have Andrew ready? Our next guest played tight end alongside Dennis Pitta in that Max Hall offense that won 32 games over three years. Also the player who caught the game-winning touchdown to beat Utah in overtime. 
during the clash of 2009. It is a pleasure to welcome Andrew George to the Wise Guys live from Colorado. Andrew, hey, we've we've been waiting months to have you on the show, and, and tonight is the night. Thanks for being with us. Oh, no problem, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Part of the reason we've had to dance around your schedule is uh, you've been coaching your son's nine-year-old football league, football team, right? Have I got that yeah, right? Yeah, 12, 12-year-olds. 12-year-olds. How's that going? Uh, you know, I think I'm finding out that I'm a failed coach. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to say it was a lot easier playing than it is coaching a seventh-grade football team. But we actually, they went to the Super Bowl last year, and so they got bumped up to the upper division. Yeah. And we're just, we're getting creamed this year. Really? It, it, it's <laughs> funny because all, all of you guys, all of your generation, like, so Nixon and, and Keel those guys, their kids are on the same team, and they're, they're yeah. coaching. So we do a debrief with Nixon every week and on their team. You land in, my land in, which you know well. Um, yeah. He's got a team. His team's undefeated. Coach Fowler, we call him All Coach right. McVay. Ogletree's got they're, a they're team. They're undefeated. Ogletree's got a team. He's coaching. They're un, I think they've got one loss now. All you guys, in 20 years, BYU's going to be great. All of you guys, all you guys are, 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 be here. are, are <laughs> like up to your elbows coaching youth football now which i think is great because you're just raising up the next generation to yeah. come i said 20 years 10 years they'll all yeah. be here in 10 years they'll yeah, be here in 10 years how's your guy is he good right. is he ready to come is he you gonna know be what? he's actually a pretty darn good football player yeah. I, uh, I in fact i saw uh kelly papinga a couple of weeks ago and and i said i, I was like he was asking me the same question i'm like actually he you know he so my kid is way, he's more physical at this age than I ever was. Like I was a minimum play kid at this age and yeah. my son's like one of the best on the team, really physical. And I was like, man, he, he might play for you someday, wherever you are. He might, he might play be an edge rusher or something. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, let's, let's begin uh, our football discussion with your reaction to the Arkansas game, what you saw, what you liked, what you didn't like and, and what needs to be done. Oh man. Um, you know, it was a hard game to watch. I think everybody kind of felt that way. I think there's a lot of positives of what we did offensively. Uh, I think we all we all kind of knew this, but Puka Nakua is just he's a guy, man. I, it, he he uh, make play, makes plays all over the field, whether it's uh, handing off those fly sweeps or, or catching a, a simple smoke screen and, and taking it. You know, he he is a complete difference maker for our offense. So it's good to have him looking like he's pretty darn healthy. Um, you know, I, I'd still love to see us run the ball uh, with more consistency. I think that's a frustration for everybody, especially given, you know, um, really the uh, the expectations, I guess, for yeah. all of our linemen this year. Because um, I think we've got a great group of linemen. So I, I wish we would stick with the run a little bit more and, and uh, try and find some ways to gain yards on the ground because it'll only open up the pass a little bit more. But uh, Jaron's impressive offensively. Uh, just incredibly efficient, right? I mean, he's, he doesn't turn the ball over for the most part, right? He's one of the best in the nation at that. Um, so offensively, they're excellent. Um, I wish, uh, you know, former tight end, so I got to say I wish they would throw the ball to the tight ends a little bit more. Sure. Um, but they, they utilize the tight ends differently than, than uh, we did in our offense with, with Coach and I. It's, it's a much different scheme. Um, but I'd, I'd love to see them really put some pressure on the tight ends to win on some routes. Uh, and really develop those skills there. Um, defensively, I mean, obviously giving up over 50 points, that's that's frustrating. We all kind of saw that. And uh, I'm not really sure what the answer is uh, defensively. I, I mean, we're having a hard time stopping the run. So 
Um, I don't know. It's, I know the guys will figure it out. And I, I think that's kind of what I take away from it. And I try and keep perspective is nobody cares more than Kalani and his crew. So uh, I know they're working like crazy to try and fix uh, some of the issues they have. I mean, third down conversion was, was a, a massive problem. I know defensively, I mean, they couldn't get off the field. And I, I think probably the worst one was that one, I think it was right before half. We missed like five tackles. on yeah, the Third, and, ele- third and 11 and a chance to get yeah. off the field, right? Yeah. With, you, with the right, the with the right your, call defensively. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You have the right call defensively. You've got the, you know, you've got a sack and you, you have him in your arms with three different guys and he manages to escape. I mean, credit to him. He's a, a big, tough guy, but at the same time, I mean, we make that play, they punt it away. Then we have a chance to get points before halftime. And right. maybe it's a different game after that. Maybe not. I don't know. But, it, it was funny. Um, Cause Nick Nixon was talking to us today and he's like, you know, you got your scout, you know, that dude is 240 plus pounds. So when you're coming in, you don't hit him up in the shoulders. He says you drive right through his waist with your shoulder pad, just like you would a tight end or a running back. You've got to tackle him like a real player when he's that big. And so he was really disappointed that everybody kind of came in and hit him high. When you watch film of that guy and all season long, he's just bouncing off dudes and making plays like that. So yeah, you got, you've got to know, you got to know your scout and you got to know what you're supposed to do when you get there and arrive at the ball um, and, and tackle him in a different way when he's that big. This defense didn't have an identity, so they go to Liberty. What what do you want to see them come home from Liberty with, having gotten done? We know Kalani's more involved in the defensive side this week, and and some changes have been made. But they're going to go to Liberty and 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 exercise whatever they've done. What when, what identity do you want to see from the defense moving forward? Uh, third down number one. I mean, Kalani said that you know since the end of the game. Uh, Third down is is the down defensively that yeah. you have to be excellent at if you're going to win a football game. So I'd love to see a much better uh, percentage third down getting off the field. I think it starts with that. I think that's completely accurate. I mean, we're talking about stopping the run. Um, I, we haven't been great at that this year. I'd love to see us be able to stop the run against an opponent like Liberty who you know, they're still a quality team, but they're, they're not going to have the guys up front that somebody like Arkansas does. Uh, and so I'd love to see us be able to, to manage the run a little bit better. I think we've been honestly pretty darn good, uh, in the secondary for the most part. Um, you know, you don't see a a lot of teams getting behind us and, and big plays that way. It just seems like, you know, I I don't know. I, I, I would love to see more pressure on the quarterback. I I think that's primarily, uh, uh, what's going to get us off a third down. I, I think we just saw too many times with Arkansas. He's got a lot of time to throw yeah. um, and, and with other teams, right? When you have that much time to throw and we're playing any kind of zone defense, just knowing as a player, uh, anytime I, I loved seeing zone defense because I felt like uh, being able to read what they were doing and sitting zone holds. And if our quarterback has time to throw it, we're going to exploit that zone defense all day. So, um, so yeah, and finding ways to uh, get pressure on the quarterback for sure. You know, D- uh, Dave wrote an article this week in the Deseret News, and like people were going off on him, like, "Oh, what are you talking about?" And I, like, I read the article, and I'm like, "Man, he's exactly right on this." I like when Blaine reads my yeah, stuff because I always <laughs> read his stuff. By the way, every week, but I was like, "No, he's exactly right." And then he told me today that people were like just going off on him because he suggested you know everybody's going off about BYU's defense. Because of the 23 of 31 third down conversions over the last two games, which rightly so, BYU's got to get off the field. He and I have been talking, I've been going, it's, but it's not way more times. 
Like instead of being 12 of 15, if BYU holds them to 8 of 15, so they get four more stops, in college football today, it's about scoring points. And you just look at the top 25. Look at that Alabama-Tennessee game. Look at Oklahoma-Kansas. Yep. Like in games between ranked teams, losing teams are scoring 40. And the winner scoring yep. mid-40s or 50. And so Dave wrote this article about the trend in college football being production. And, and he pointed out that 15 P5 games over the weekend had an average point total of 79.4 points. In the yep. Big 12, which is the league that BYU is joining, Kansas and Oklahoma combined for 94 points. Oklahoma State and, T- and TCU combined for 83. So did Baylor and West Virginia. So, so the question he posed in the article was, Sure, BYU's got to get somewhat better on on defense, but should they be focusing on being way more explosive offensively? And is that the trend? And is BYU going to have to score a lot more points and be more prolific offensively to compete in that league? That's a great question. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I I, I think the Alabama Tennessee game is a, a prime example. I mean, those are two excellent defenses, and they're getting the score run up on both sides. So, I mean, I think there's a, a point to be made there that it's not all about being able to stop your opponent. It's about being able to keep up with them offensively. And, so, and, and but, I mean, I can remember games when, uh, you know, when I played, it was kind of, uh, you know, those games where you felt like offensively we had to score every series if we were going to have a chance just because, you know, for whatever reason, the opposing offense had a beat on our defense that day. And those things happen. And, and some, there were some games when we couldn't do a thing offensively that we wanted to do. And, the defense had to step up. So I think it kind of can go both ways. And, and I know everybody's frustrated about the over 50, you know, giving up over 50 points and, and, uh, and rightly so you're not going to win a lot of games if you are giving up that much, but um, if you can't match uh, what they're doing, definitely on the other side of the ball, um, offense for offense. I mean, the chance isn't there for you to win. I think that's a valid point though. I went out on a limb and I said, if the defense is going to allow 52 points, the offense has to score 53 to win the game. It's basic math. Right. Yeah. The team with the most points wins, and Jim McMahon said the same thing. He said, hey, if they're going to score 49, let's go score 50 because right. the object is win the game. It, Arkansas, it looked like they could have cared less how many yards Hall got and how many touchdowns. They had 52 points. That's what they came to get, more points than BYU, and then they, and then they, and they went home. Yeah, and I, and I submitted, Andrew, that like – if BYU doesn't have a snapped ball that's not supposed to be snapped on fourth down that gets snapped right. and they turn it over and they scored there, and if BYU doesn't throw a pick on the very next – because remember, they were 21-17 in the lead with six minutes to go in the half, and they had two turnovers, and Arkansas scored on both of those, and then BYU never could catch them. So I would say they wouldn't have – they didn't need to score 52. They needed to not turn it over and score 42 or 44, and they win the yeah, game. They- they got how many points? I think they got 14 points off of turnovers. Right. Uh, and BYU Justin, got zero. First half? Yeah, first yeah. half. First half alone, 14 points off of turnovers. And so, it, it, so yeah, okay, points matter, but I think it's it's also about who makes the fewest mistakes. Turnover margin, right? Clear, yeah, pretty clear that our Arkansas made far mewer, fewer mistakes than we did. And, and we were probably pressing as an offense as well because we felt like we had to, to keep up every series. But we were also doing some damage to our defense by turning the ball over, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, Dave, Dave pointed out that in this article at TCU, when they're in the Mountain West, um, their defense was one of the top in the country. You, you played TCU a, a yeah. couple of times and always known Gary Patterson for putting these great defenses out. And then really pretty explosive offenses with Jeremy Curley and that whole crew, right? Yeah. Um mm-hmm. But they got into the Big 12, 
and they they couldn't compete. And Gary just like scrapped it and said, "We need to go to the spread. We got to score a lot more points if we're if we're gonna." And they haven't been like they were in the Mountain West defensively um, for a long time. And and they're really good teams that have competed for Big Twelve championships or teams that go out and score forty a game. Yeah. And you know, Dave, Dave put that data in. Um, it really is an interesting trend. We, I mean, we're looking at that Utah USC game. Like neither team could stop the other team at all, and it ends up that Utah goes for two at the end of the game, win or lose. And they win by one. Both teams are in the 40s and both have like 575 yards of total offense. And I don't know. It is the trend. We're seeing it. Do you like that trend? Are you a fan of offensive football? Or would you like to see defenses make a resurgence and see more defense in football? Well, I think I think part of that trend, too, is is probably the rules are in football are definitely slanted towards the offense. Yeah. Uh, and so I think I think that's a big piece of it as well. I mean, you you see it in the NFL now too, where you know it's it's uh, everything's about protecting the quarterback, and teams are getting penalized. You know, there's there's a lot of rules, pass interference rules, and there's there's a lot in place that is supposed. Games are more exciting when there's more offense, and I and I think probably the rules makers they know this, <laughs> and so uh, so I'm okay with excellent offense, back and forth game. Um, I just I just want the team that I'm rooting for to come out on top. So that's you know that's really what I care about. Exactly. And but but I think uh, uh, you know Tuiaki made a great point. Uh, I think it was today or last night. I can't remember what it was. Um, just that uh, uh, you know he his his other fifty point game that was given up in his tenure uh, they won. They beat Toledo, right? And that's so, right. And nobody really is. I mean, they may have been kind of frustrated. Oh, you gave up 50 points to Toledo, but we won the game, right? And so it's not as heavily talked about as this one against against Arkansas, where we lost. We're on the we're on the losing end of it. So I don't, I'm I'm okay with with the, the fast paced, uh, high octane offenses that you're seeing nowadays. I mean, I, I was an offensive player. I get it. But you get it. Oddly enough, I am the defensive coordinator on our <laughs> seventh grade football team. So I'm having to learn a lot this year. And maybe this is why we're getting beat. You got an offensive guy being the DC. So that's that's awesome. Bluesville, one of our followers says, so if this is the trend, are better athletes being channeled onto the offensive side of the ball? You know, are the kids are the better athletes as youth going, I'm gonna play wide receiver, I wanna do this, you know, that kind of thing. Um, remember Tyler Algier and Bluesville points this out, was playing linebacker for BYU. Then he moved over to running back and became a star at running back yeah. and now is the starting running back for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, very. I, I think there's some validity to that, to that as well. Former BYU tight end Andrew George is on the Wise Guys tonight, live from Colorado. You played three years with Max Hall at quarterback, won 32 games. BYU went 11-2 and in 07, 10-3 in 08, and 11-2 and in 09. Which of those three teams do you think would defeat the other two? Oh, man. That's a great question. Um, I I got to say 2009. That was your best Nixon's group? Gonna, Nixon's oh, going to be mad about that. Yeah, because he was gone like, by then, right? He wasn't on that team. Uh, Wait, no, was, Kellen, was Kellen on the 09 team or was he only oh, – uh, No, Kellen was gone by 09. So, Kellen so, was so I mean, you're, you're you know, t- saying, you know, as, as soon as we got rid of Kellen and Nixon, <laughs> you guys were really better. Is that what you're saying? together. <laughs> Well, and and I think purely from an offensive standpoint, I would say our our defense probably that uh, 08, 07 or 08 defense was probably our better defense. 
Uh, now Matt Bauman and Brett Denny are going to be mad at me. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but I think our 09 offense was special for a couple of reasons. I think Max, uh, that 08 season kind of ended with kind of a sour taste in our mouth, right? We lost to Utah and then we lose our bowl game. And, yeah. and uh, I, I think it became very clear offensively where the ball was going in 2008. And it became a little easier for defenses to key on what we were trying to do. I mean, offense, or, uh, Austin Collie, incredible player, and a lot of balls went his way. And if you watch that 08 Utah game, uh, they sat a safety over the top on him. And that's when Max kind of got himself in some trouble in that game. Yeah. Uh, 2009, I, I just thought Max spread the ball around really, really well. Not to mention we got Manasseh Tonga back that year. Mm -hmm. And Noss, I mean, doesn't get enough credit for how good he is. But having uh, Noss and having Harvey in the backfield, I mean, those two – absolutely incredible the things they would do not only uh blocking but receiving just that their their knowledge of the game their feel for pass protection um i think we did some some incredible things um and then i think it, we were hard to defend with our backs and our tight ends and the formations and things we would do so uh, i think at least offensively we were much more well-rounded in 2009 than when we were we were in 2008 or 2007 well plus you beat oklahoma and then you beat the Utes. Yeah, that's right. It's it's it's, it's funny you mention Manasseh because people don't remember like he and Fui and those guys. Manasseh, like I remember watching highlights of him pass protecting. Like yeah. the other team would bring up blitz and bring a backer, and the backer would run like be going full speed downhill, and Manasseh would kind of hide behind the guard, and then step out in that gap, and literally blow them up. Like, literally knock them onto their backs, and they would just get up and shake their heads. It was like running into a cement pillar back there. And that's one of the reasons that, that when you say getting Manasseh back, that Max was able to stand in there a lot um, and deliver strikes was because Manasseh was just killing people in pass protection that year. Absolutely. He was, he was nails, man. He was, he was so good. And actually, funny story about that. I did a workout with the Patriots when I was still, uh, you know, my short, short career. But uh, um, one of the scouts I was talking to, and he was a or he was a defensive back, I think, with UCLA. And he was like, he's like, man, he's like, where did you guys get all those running backs? You had Unga and Tonga and, and you know, and Bakapuna. You know, he's like, <laughs> I, he's like, I used to have to tackle these guys, and he's like, it was miserable the entire game. And so, you know, there were teams that felt that exact same way. It's like, man, they had they had to tackle and 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 try and blitz against those guys. They didn't have a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how happy were you to see Dennis Pitta inducted into the Hall of Fame last month? Oh man, he's deserving, right? I I mean, it's it's incredible. I'm just glad he finished his degree so that he they could uh, induct him. <laughs> it took a while. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, he's uh, obviously Dennis is incredibly deserving. And I think uh, one of the best parts about uh, Dennis, you know, being, a, you know, somebody who I, I say play alongside. Some people say play behind. I, I prefer alongside. Sure. But, you played uh, a lot of 12 know, personnel. We teach people on the right. show, one back, two tight ends. You even played a lot of 22 personnel when you and Dennis were there, two we backs did. and two tight ends, because we were that good at that position with the, with the two of you out there. We did. And I, you know, um, we, there was, uh, obviously Dallin, uh, Dallin Holker, Holker, right. He just, he just transferred out of yeah, the program. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, after that 2008 season, I, I wanted to transfer out of the program. 
uh, it just felt like I could maybe have my skills utilized somewhere, somewhere else better and, and have a better opportunity to maybe get to the next level and those types of things. Um, it wasn't as easy to transfer back then and it just wasn't going to be an option. So obviously I, I stuck around uh, and Dennis was a guy that just, um, even though, you know, he, he had more of the, the, the catches and, and kind of the, the, the fame and notoriety and all those things, he was an incredible teammate and he's a great friend. Uh, he, we were roommates on the road. I, I mean, that 2009 season was special in many ways. And really glad that I didn't leave the program so that I could experience that 09 season. But part of the reason why that 09 season was so great is because uh, of who Dennis is, right? Yeah. And uh, had a great time playing alongside him and obviously very deserving with, with all of his staff and all that, but even better person. Yeah, so him hogging everything and, and talking to his brother-in-law off the field, Max, saying you got to throw it to me, you got to throw it to me. Somehow you still got 70 receptions and 827 yards and 11 touchdowns, even though Dennis was being a hog. It was a family situation you had to fight through. <laughs> that's, that's right. You know, I, I, uh, I didn't marry into the right family. It's okay. <laughs> so when you guys are over on the sidelines, uh, whether it's Collie or Dennis, usually Dennis or Harvey or whatever, who's in Max's ear to say, hey, look, I'm open, like all the time? Oh, man. Uh, you you mean back when we played? Not, yeah, not like, these days. Who was, back the, who when was the one that was like badgering Max the most, saying, "Dude, I'm wide open." Was it Austin? Was it you? Was it Dennis? Uh, it, uh, love him, but it was Austin. <laughs> <laughs> he was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about that. Yes, we he did. was always wide open. I guess he know. was he was always open, but that's what made Austin great too, right? Yeah. I mean he he always thought and that he could beat whoever he was playing against, and I and and he was very vocal about it. Right. And I, and I think that's what, why our offense was as great as it was for those few years, because Austin wasn't the only one like here I am with with only a fraction of the catches. And I think I can beat whoever, you know, I'm playing against. And Dennis felt the same way. And Harvey's thinking I can hand me the ball. I'll get, you know, I, I think we had a bunch of guys like that who just had this confidence level that just permeated the entire team. And we just knew that we were going to be really difficult to stop. And so. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't say that in a bad way about Austin. It's just, you know, he had that confidence. I think yeah. we all had that confidence, and it's what made us great. Yeah, B-Lo, who we work with, Brian Logan always says, I love receivers that play with a little swag, like their little confidence. Yeah. And that group definitely had that confidence. So they played fast, and uh, and guys that play confident and fast win their matchups. That's, it was really fun to watch the three of you out there together. Hey, Dave talked to, uh, to Dennis uh, and knew you were going to come on. And, and he told Dave, hey, make sure you ask um, Drew about um, what song the two of you guys would listen to before every game. <laughs> All right, <laughs> what, what was, was it? it? So, so funny. So we would ride. I, I drove Dennis. We drove together, I should say. But I, yeah. I drove every away game to the airport, right, to the Provo Airport. I don't even know how this started, Okay. But uh, but there's there's a funny piece of this as well. But the song that we would listen to was a uh, was a Kelly Clarkson song. I don't know how. What? Don't ask me how. But Dennis Pitta's favorite movie is also She's Got Game or Mean Girls. Those are his two top movies. So Wait, that, this might help you. Understand. He told us that his favorite. Mo- well, we asked him sports. Movie. Yeah, we asked him. Sports we should ask him regular movie because I am <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not. I can't believe he so said this, Mean Girls. This or Clarkson got game. song is in the that movie. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know if it's in the movie, but somehow it was, it, it became this song 
Okay, so we listened to it as loud as we could on the way to the airport before the Oklahoma game in 2009. And it was Kelly Clarkson, My Life Would Suck Without You. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. She okay. sang that at Stadium of Fire. Oh, my gosh. Hear me out on this. Hear me out on okay. this. Okay, so then we go to Oklahoma, and, of course, we win the game. Yeah. And so the next away game, I think we played, did we play Tulane? I think we played Tulane next. And, uh, and it was like, well, we did this last time and it worked. I guess we have to do it again. And we won again de decisively. And so then the next away game, we're like, well, guess we <laughs> have to do, do this. And the funny part is that that next away game, Coach Lamb needed a ride to the airport. And so he rode with us to the airport. <laughs> and he's like shaking his head at us like, what are you guys doing? So. Um, I think we did that every game until we lost an away game, uh, which I think well, actually I don't remember which away game we lost. Maybe we didn't win. It was you game. might not have lost an away game you that year. You, you guys were you guys were eleven and two that year. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look up the schedule yeah, now. We so lost we lost the TCU at home and we lost to Florida State at home. So yeah, yeah we we didn't lose away games. So we Kelly Clarkson Kelly was the key. My life would suck without. So you, do you Kelly remember Clarkson. the words? <laughs> uh, I don't. You know, it's been years. <laughs> Been years. I, I probably can only sing them when Dennis is in the car. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wait, Dennis so here, said you'd you would appreciate the, his question. Here's my it. question. So, <laughs> I, t I told these guys, you know, hey, maybe we can convince you uh, to get your guitar out and play some Jack Johnson for us, like the oh, old days man. up at our house. Yeah, like so, Andrew used to come so up to our days. house. <laughs> we we pull out my guitar. He and I would play some songs, but he inevitably we end up with he could he could hit those Jack Johnson. He had those great great guitar chops and he could do that and he sounded like jack johnson i mean that's pretty much how he got girls when he was at byu was with his jack yeah. johnson stuff you still do that just she just rolls her eyes at me now she, doesn't, right? she doesn't give me any attention on that stuff. what so, you know she's over. Wait, I, yeah tell me about it did she's you over. get her with that though like originally did she think it was great did you play some jack johnson stuff for her and you kind of got her interested with that right you know, I can't really remember. I probably tried, and my wife is the, the type who, who it may impress her, but she's not going to let you know that it impresses her. Yeah. And I think that made me like her even more. All right, let yeah. me let me ask you one more follow-up to this Kelly Clarkson situation. <laughs> so I'm just trying to visualize two guys that are 6'5", uh, baddest tight end tandem, one of the best in school history, Going to the airport, listening to uh, "My Life Would Suck Without You." Are you singing at the top of your lungs as well, or are you just listening? Uh, of course, singing. That's what I thought. That's, <laughs> we wouldn't have won all those. Games that completed the picture. <laughs> that completed the picture of what I was sitting there going. Uh, you guys had a lot of fun, didn't you? We did. We did. And again, that's that's why uh, you know. I, I got Yeah, go ahead. I, I got to tell you, you're away schedule that year. Whatever you did worked because you just killed people on the road there. It was Clarkson. This is the magic. Yeah, Kelly beat, Clarkson. We beat Wyoming that year. Yeah, so at, at Tulane, of course, the array schedule was easy. At UNLV, yeah. which was a 59 21 affair. At San Diego State, um, 38 28, a little closer. Um, at Wyoming, another 50 point outburst, 52 to zip at Wyoming. At New Mexico, too close, 24 19. Um, and that, that was it. So you guys, mm. no wonder you kept singing that song. You were killing people on the road. 
you know, some people say it's the schedule. I say it's the Kelly Clarkson song. <laughs> I'm going with you on the Clarkson. I love I, there was something magical about that. Uh, we're with uh, Andrew George. A couple of more questions, and we'll let you go. We appreciate you joining us live from, from your home in Colorado. Uh, let's hit on a couple of milestones and then, and then some keys to the game on Saturday. Um, 2008, your first touchdown catch, a one-yarder in a one-point win at Washington. What do you remember? Oh, um, man. I, I mean, I remember a lot about the game, about that play in particular. It's just, it was, you know, we motion, we start Dennis out as a wide, you know, out wide, motion him down, and we just kind of down block and then release. And uh, Dennis draws attention to the front pylon, which I think we probably scored on that same play probably six times in my career. Yeah. Uh, and it was because, again, he draws the attention to the front pylon, and I'm open on the kind of back corner route. Um, but I remember cat, just catching the ball. And, and, and what I really remember is I wasn't sure if I was in the end zone in the back. And so, like, I caught it. And I remember kind of looking down to put my feet down. I'm like, oh, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> and then just being like, hey, all right, touchdown. Uh, you know, I don't know. The That's what that feels like. So you think, like, of your 11 touchdowns, maybe six of those were on that very same play. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so right. you have a multiple touchdown game also in, in 2008 in that 21-3 win against New Mexico. That's your only multiple touchdown game. Um, what do you remember about that one? One of them was the exact same play mm-hmm. as uh, the Washington one. Uh, I think we called it 62 power or something like that. So, um, And uh, uh, that one, so so very similar back in the end zone. The other one was uh, uh, just a corner route. I, I want to say it was kind of open field, maybe around the 20 yard line. Um, uh, so we were, we were maybe kind of in the red zone and cut it right at the front pylon. Um, again, wasn't sure if I was going to be in the end zone. So as I caught it, I kind of turned to, to make sure I was in the end zone. But, uh, but yeah, just again, I was, I was still kind of trying to find my place on, on that team with so many good receivers and playmakers. So just wanted to make sure every time that Max threw me the ball that I, I, uh, I made the best out of it. Let's go to 2009 and, uh, and the play that all of Cougar Nation knows you for against Utah in that overtime win. When Dennis was on the show here uh, a few weeks ago, he made it known that the play call was supposed to go to him and he was open, but Max decided to try and pin it between two defenders who were, uh, who were making a play on the ball where you were. Uh, never mind what Dennis said. You got the catch. You run in the end zone. Arms are up in the air. I talked to you about this for an article I wrote, and then the fans come and tackle you, and you're fighting for your life. Yeah. So, <laughs> first of all, let me just say that had it been Dennis, he would have been tackled. And yes. He would have hit the ground because how many yards after contact did Dennis actually have in his career? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what those stats are. but um, No, but actually before the play – uh, so I, I align left, which is when we would get in our, our 12 personnel, that's usually where I would go to the left side of the field at our H position. And Dennis would align to the right generally and right. Bef- but, but because we ran this particular play to the field, it was, it was going to go to me. Um, and we might've mirrored it to the boundary. I don't remember, but, uh, Max, right. Be- uh, as we're running out there, he, he calls my name and he's about to actually tell me and Dennis to switch sides. Because he want he he wanted Dennis to be the guy to to catch the ball. I don't know if Max remembers that. Oh wow! I that. We'll have to ask Max. And so so he he calls my name and he was like he was like hey, he's, why don't you? Sw-? He was like about to say switch with Dennis, 
And I'm like rolling my eyes. I'm like, come on, man. And, uh, and then he's like, actually, no, just leave it, leave it. Right. So whatever <laughs> he felt like, uh, I would probably have the better matchup. Uh, so he was going, he was going over the middle. It was just a matter of it was going to be you or Dennis. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so, uh, the, the interesting part about that play is we'd run it twice earlier in the game. Once would have been for a touchdown. We were in the, the red zone. We were going into score and, um, we had run it and I beat Steven Sylvester badly and I was wide open and the ball gets tipped at the line of scrimmage. Oh. Um, so it would have been a touchdown earlier in the game. Yeah. I, I don't remember if we had a field goal or whatever uh, there. But we ran it later in the game, kind of open field, midfield. Again, beat him badly on this same kind of little snag double, double move. Um, so when we get into that scenario, that situation, um, he, I, I knew that he knew what was coming. Yeah. And, and he knew what I was going to try and run. That I was going to try and kind of double move back to the middle of the field. And so I knew if I inside released him, he was going to hold me to no end to make sure that I didn't get the ball. If I outside released him, he would never let me get back to the middle of the field. So I just like split second decision. I'm like, okay, what do I do here? How do I run this route? And I just bull rush him. I just bull rush him for three yards and try and do a little throw to the outside. Not too much. So I didn't get a penalty, but uh, back to the middle of the field, Max sticks with it, throws the ball. Uh, and of course, create just enough separation. Uh, Sylvester sells out to try and tip yeah. the ball. It, you know, doesn't go for the tackle. Same with the the safety. They were running that bracket coverage uh, to try and take away anything to the middle, whether it was me or Dennis. And uh, yeah, I mean, managed to stay on my feet, and that was it. So, when in that play did it go from euphoria to a fight for my life to get off the field as everyone charged and? your teammates dogpiled and, and it was on. Well, as, as I remember, uh, I think it was JJ D Luigi who got to me first and literally like tackles me to the ground. Right. And then from there, it's just like a flood of people on top of me and I can't move. <laughs> I wish I would have run away from all these guys. Cause all they did was inflict pain upon me. Uh, but, uh, I got, so I, I have a, I still have a torn labrum in my right shoulder. And so my arm got caught in, and this position is not a great position for my arm to be in with right. that. And so my arm gets caught like way up high behind me with people laying on it. And I thought my shoulder was going to pop out and then I couldn't breathe. And it was just what a moment. I was like, dude, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. And, and, and all I could think of was all these people from the stands are obviously rushing the field and how many people are piling on right now and how long is it going to take for them to get off of me? And so, uh, well, Max said yeah. he was down there with you, and he thought he was—he thought that thought was it gonna, for him. He thought he was going to suffocate to death. He couldn't yeah. breathe. Yeah, that's that's the way I felt. I was like, <laughs> man, this, this might turn from triumph to tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was triumph, it's, and it's, it's lives it's, it's in one, infamy, it's, and it gets played year after year after year. It's 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 considered one of the greatest plays in BYU history. How many times has your twelve-year-old uh, seen that play, and does he believe it was actually you? Uh. I, I think he believes it's me. He, he, he gives me a hard time now. No, he, he thinks it's pretty cool. In fact, I'm in his room right now and he has a big poster oh, nice. of it in his room. Uh, my wife took it down the other day because she wanted him to have a more mature room and, and I made her put it back up. <laughs> nice. So <laughs> that's awesome. Does, does he ever tell you um, that you don't know what you're doing? Cause it's been a long time since you played. Oh yeah. All the time. I know nothing. I'm I'm an old timer oh. to him, I, and 
And, uh, you know, I try and give him, him pointers here and there. I probably overcoach him just because I'm a, I'm a dad like that. Well, have him uh, call us. Have him call us and we'll remind we'll, him. We'll how remind good him of who you are. Like, so, so, Andrew, Kellen was playing, I don't know, he was like 10 or 11. I was trying to teach him how to, to throw an inside screen, and I wanted him to set pass, like do his drop and set so that the D-line would believe it was pass. And then once he set and draws him to him to – to float a little bit and then dump it back into the fullback for a middle screen. Yeah. And he, I was trying to tell him he did it wrong like three times. On the third time, I'm like, Kellen, listen to me. I need you to set up first. And he turns around in front of the whole team. He goes, Dad, shut up. You haven't played for a long time. <laughs> That's what he said to me. I was like, you know what? Get out. I'm like, out. You're out. I took him out, and I said, guys, I'm in. Because I, I could still run without blowing out a hamstring at that point. Hey, Andrew, give us three keys. Uh, we have five quick questions for you after this, but give us three keys to a BYU win. And Bluesville won on our live stream tonight around the globe uh, has asked you to put Kelly Clarkson on your playlist for this, this Saturday. Week for sure, with Cougs <laughs> around the, the road. Cougs need that. We can, need all the good karma idea. we this can get. This is a road game. Perfect timing. Yeah, play will it. you commit to that? I will commit to that. Okay. I will play it. In fact, I'm going to play the song, and I'm going to record it and send it to Dennis Pitta so that he has to listen to it. Fantastic. He, if I think if the two of you listen to it pregame think, for this game, BYU can only win, and they probably score in the 50s because that seemed to be the trend when you guys played that. Okay. All it's right, out we, there in the universe. We got you committed. Beautiful. All right, three things. What, what three things need to happen? Uh, third down conversion, number one defensively. Um, I think we have to be significantly better. I'd like, I'd like to see us. Uh, hold them to i'm gonna say under 40 percent on third down conversion um i i think that would be a, a big improvement from from last week sure. and uh uh and really important um i'd like to see us have a hundred yard rusher um i think controlling the line of scrimmage especially uh, against an opponent like liberty is really important so i would say control the line of scrimmage and have a 100 yard rusher uh, and turnover battle. Um, mm. I think if we win the turnover battle, I think that's something Liberty has struggled with. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's very realistic for us to win the turnover battle. And so those are my three okay. keys. I mean, those are very typical, but I think those are uh, those are what win games. Three keys in Clarkson. I like it. They're, they're Liberty's touchdown to interception ratio has not been good this year. They've been playing young guys, and they've been giving up some picks. So there's the opportunity to win that turnover battle. I think you're right on. All right, you ready for five questions? By the way, uh, we'll judge you forever on these answers, so no sweat. Yep. So, favorite <laughs> favorite sports movie? Uh, um, favorite sports movie? It's one I actually watched not too long ago, so I'm going to say it because it's on top of my mind, but uh, A League of Their Own. A League oh, of Their wow, Own. Wow, about the Women's Professional Baseball he, League. Tom Hanks is awesome in that movie. <laughs> I've got to say, with all the guests we've had on the show, it's the first one that's gone with a league of their own. Yeah, that is. A, that's like that Madonna's in that, Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah, go back and watch it; it's hilarious. Those are yeah. all Kelly Clarkson's friends. Yes, you see they the are. Yeah, exactly right. So, yeah. okay, so now here's here's an interesting one: favorite band or singer? Um, favorite band or singer? Um, I've liked uh, John Mayer for a long time, and a lot because I like playing his guitar stuff. Okay. Um, I was thinking it was either going to be Jack Johnson, John Mayer, or Kelly Clarkson. So I got, yeah. I knew it was going to be one of those three. For sure. John Mayer. So favorite breakfast cereal? Uh, Golden Grahams. Nice. Okay, thank goodness. Like, 
we give people a big hassle if they choose a healthy cereal without sugar on it. So we're glad to see that you take the Golden Grams, which are just coated in brown sugar. That's answer for me. Golden Grams all the way. Fantastic. Favorite hamburger place? Oh, this is, uh, okay, this is high on uh, our our family's conversation list. Okay, so I went to Whataburger this weekend for the first time. Yeah, I haven't been there for a long time. Yeah. They opened a couple in Colorado Springs. Uh, I, you know, it was fine. I didn't didn't love it. I know it's probably nostalgic for some people. I had one in Texas on my mission. That's where I like Whataburger. What kind of a name of a hamburger place is that? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it was. uh, So that is not my number one. But it got the the topic going (laughs) in our family of what our favorite burger burger is. And I think my favorite because it's the same every time, and the consistency is the exact same, and they do such a great job of putting it together. Is uh, a double double from In and Out. In and Out. I knew you Ooh, were going a double, there. Double double, and that's yeah. It's, it's so consistent every time. I know exactly what I'm going to get. You know what I? Be put together. I the you. other day I wasn't feeling very good, and I just was feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> and, I, and I went to Burger King and got a Whopper with cheese. I haven't done that in like ten years. Was it outstanding? It was great. Yeah. I had a Big way. Mac the other day. <laughs> it just was cause, awesome. Just because I could. So okay, your favorite thing about Dennis Pitta? This is number five. And just know that Dennis is probably going to respond in some form. Can I tell you my favorite story about Dennis? Yeah, sure. That, does that yeah. work? That works. It's, a, it's brief. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be fast. The Clark, by the way, the Clarkson story is going to be tough to top. Yeah, that's I mean, pretty that's good. That's pretty good, too. But this also, <laughs> again, you're getting a feel for why coming back and playing that 09 season was so great. So in 09, we're playing at UNLV. Uh, Dennis uh, had a hard time controlling himself at the uh the football buffets let's we'll just say (laughs) and we there was a running joke because in 2008 he gained he gained quite a few pounds if you watch him at the end of that year i think he was like 275 oh my Um, he was big and maybe 270 maybe that's too much but he was he was he was much bigger than he should have been um and so to uh, so that was 08 so 09 we were always joke with him like look dennis you know, you, you're leaving dollars on the table here if you gain too much weight, you know. We, so we were always trying to keep him healthier, right? But he gave in this one time down at UNLV. We, we, he and I went to our hotel room, and we, we fell asleep. We took a nap, uh, and we woke up, and we missed dinner. And so we always had these cheeseburger snacks yeah. um, as a second meal. And Dennis came down and got four full to-go boxes just filled with, the most unhealthy stuff you can imagine. We <laughs> took it back to our room. He ate it. I'm not even joking you. Within five minutes, he ate all four boxes, then proceeded <laughs> to go into the bathroom and throw it all up because he made himself sick. Nice. He ate till he was sick. How come he, he didn't share any with you guys? He, was, he ate till he was literally sick, and he went and he threw up. Oh, my gosh. That's next level stuff. That's that's next level stuff. That's a good that's a good uh, a memory. Dennis of your could friend eat. Dennis. That's, that's one of my favorite things about. Yeah, him. I love I, I, he I could love definitely him. eat. So, Andrew, it was worth the wait to have you on the Wise Guys. We hope you'll come back on with us uh, again. And good luck to your yeah. We're your wishing, football we're wishing team you the very the best in your coaching career with your seventh grade team this year. We'll be monitoring your progress. <laughs> Sounds good. Hopefully, we improve. All right, remember, you got Clarkson on Saturday. And, and then you got to send it, it to, to Dennis, Dennis so he does it too. And uh, and then we'll watch the game, and, and we'll see if Clarkson, again, if the and magic if, and still if happens. And if they score in the 50s and win, we're going to give you guys 100% of the credit. You what got it. it. Perfect. What, what did Austin Collie say? He said if you're 
doing what's right off, on and off the, the field, field magic, magic happens, happens yeah. or if you're listening to Clarkson on the way to the airport magic, magic happens. happens on the road so there you go I don't even know that song. I'm going to listen to it after the show. Andrew, so. give uh, give our best to your family, and yes. uh, we're proud of all you're doing and how you represent BYU, and and uh, and we we thank you for coming on with Thanks, us tonight, Andrew. Appreciate awesome. you, bet, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, the great Andrew George. What a tag team he and Dennis Pitta with Max Hall and Harvey Younga and Austin Colley. Although, for the record, he did say that he, the 2009 team would beat the, the 2008 and, and yeah. 2007. So he said it was going to make Nixon and Keel and, and Callen and all those guys mad, but he did give him credit that they were a better defense. Yeah. Um, but, and, then he, but then he said that was going to make Ryan Denny mad. Yeah, but yeah, they, <laughs> then he marched straight uh, with his with his opinions. He yeah. didn't back down. I like it. He didn't back down. We so got a couple of minutes. was better than 08 and 07. So. It's been a great show yeah, we got to do picks Let's for do sure. picks. I want to just point out a couple of things. Cross Country is ranked number two in the country now That's right. uh, for the men, number five for the women. They had another great week getting ready for the WCC Championships October 18th in Portland, Oregon. Women's tennis, um, a big development there. Yeah, sophomore Bobo Hong and, and senior Emily Astle, they qualified for the ITA National Fall Championships in doubles on November 2nd in San Diego. That's pretty cool. They're the first Cougars to qualify for the fall championship since 2006. How about that? That's a big deal. That's great. So Trent Pratt, BYU baseball coach, announced his 2023 schedule today. You can find it at BYUcougars.com. But baseball opens February 17th at Louisiana Tech when we're back here shoveling in yeah, our They don't play at home until March 2nd against Omaha. So uh, they'll have the Utes in town um, uh, in Provo on March 14th and April 18th. And they're playing Utah in a fall exhibition Saturday. That's right. 1 o'clock at Miller Park, missions free. That'd be a fun one to go to. Yeah. yeah, so there's that, and that's what's going on on campus. Okay, there we go. We got a couple of picks this day in history, and and we'll roll out with a Ron, a Ron McBride quote right. about Lavelle. Right. right. So, Usually it's Lavelle quotes, but this is this is interrelated. Yeah, I had to do a big thing on Lavelle today for BYU Radio. Yeah. That they're they're putting thing together, so it's fun to, to reminisce about Lavelle. Okay, so here's the situation on our football picks. I'm 42 and nine. I had Bama and USC, which both lost last week. Blaine is now 37 and 14. Uh, he had Oklahoma State and USC both lose last week, so we yeah. we, we were we, both we had mirrored USC, each other. But yeah. Interesting games. We just have a few of them. Number nine UCLA is at number ten Oregon. This is hard because UCLA is way more physical than I thought they were. I think they're actually legit, but I think they're gonna have a hard hard time at Autzen. I'm gonna take Oregon. So am I. Uh, number fourteen Syracuse with Robert and I is at number five Clemson. If this was in the Carrier Dome at Syracuse, I'd take Syracuse, but I think Clemson's gonna win at home. Here's one. Kansas at Baylor. Who did you take on that? I took Clemson. Okay. For those same reasons. Kansas is at Baylor. Baylor, I don't know if their quarterback's back, shaping after he got nailed on a targeting. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, but they're both out of the polls now, but both need this win. Kansas got a lot of offense. I think Baylor's going to slow them down, and Baylor's going to win it because they need it more. Baylor's at home. I'm going with Baylor. Number 20, Texas at number 11, Oak State. I'm going to go Oak State. Yeah, I'll do the same. Uh, even though uh, Texas is playing a little better. Yeah, and we and we root for our, our guy Sarkeesian, but Oklahoma and State. How about BYU alum Mike Leach, Mississippi State, at number six, Alabama. Alabama's going to be really mad about last week, and they're going to come back with a vengeance. I think Mississippi State's going to score a lot of points and throw for a bunch of yards, and 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 Alabama's going to score more points and win. That's that's one of those ones we were talking about. 
That's going to be a 40-something, 40-something game. Yeah, th- we just talked about a lot of shootouts yep. right here. So Oregon-UCLA is not going to be 10-7, to 7, I can tell no, you No, it is not. I go Bama, too. Cougars in the NFL, you can see Taysom Hill and Danny Sorensen. The Saints at the Cardinals Thursday night. They've got Thursday night to themselves. Yeah, and Tyson Williams with the Cardinals now. Yeah. So there you go. Sunday, Falcons, Tyler Algier at the Bengals. Um, and then the Lions with Jamal Williams at the Cowboys. Jamal's playing great. Packers at the Commanders with Dax Milne. BYU TV will be back there to interview yep. Dax. And, and Dax is like, he's returning punts too. Yeah. So he's very involved. He was in town for the game on Saturday. Yep. Yeah, he was. And and the Bucks at the Panthers, we mentioned earlier uh, when Amanda was on, that Brady Christensen anchoring that left tackle spot for the Panthers. Bucks at Panthers on Sunday. Browns with Sione Takitaki at the Ravens. I hope the Browns play well, but do not guard the Ravens tight end because he's on my fantasy there team. There you go. Although Chubb is also on our fantasy team, yep. so I have that's, Chubb, that's have what Chubb. I'm hoping there. Yeah, so the Jets with Zach Wilson are at the Broncos. Out West. The Jets are 4-2. and two. What is going on? Alert the media. <laughs> This is as close Zach Zach's going to be. undefeated as a starter since he came back from his injury. How about that? You know that? what? His numbers weren't great, but he led him to victory. He's, That's he's all you got to do. He's doing good things. So. Kyle Van Noy, Michael Davis, watching them both last night. Yeah, they the were good. Chargers have the Seahawks at home. and Andy Reid and the Chiefs are taking on Fred Warner and the Niners. I imagine they'll have a chance to have a few Andy Reid, the best coach in the NFL, in my opinion, of the Chiefs, and Fred Warner, the best linebacker in the NFL of the 49ers. Need a little defense from the Chiefs at the end of that game the other night, which cost yeah. me my first loss. There of, you go of the fantasy football season. October 18th, on this day in history, there's some interesting things, and that's why we're staying on. The greatest deal ever in the history (laughs) of mankind, um, because the United States bought Alaska from Russia in 1867. They paid $7.2 million for it. Can you imagine what $7.2 million was in 1867? The mineral rights alone. Did they even know they had minerals? No, I don't think they knew. Billions and billions. How about that? Thanks, Russia. Yeah, thanks, Russia. 1878, Edison makes electricity available for household use. We're appreciating Edison right now. Right now with all these lights in here. 1820 or 1921, Charles Strite is granted the first patent for his invention of the automatic pop-up toaster. Had toast the other day. 1921. Nice job, Charles. Al Capone, 1931 on this day, convicted of tax evasion. Should have paid him. Yeah. Should have paid your taxes. So they went down for taxes, even though he killed a lot of people. Yeah. So um, 1967, Major League Baseball approves the move of the Kansas City A's to Oakland. How about that? Oakland A's. 1967, on this day, Disney releases The Jungle Book in theaters. Classic. That is a classic. Look for the bare necessities. Okay, 1977, Reggie Jackson hit three consecutive home runs for the Yankees to beat L.A. to win the World Series. I remember Series. watching that, that. That's when he got the nickname Mr. October. You were back in New York. You were watching oh, yeah. that, right? of course we were. Yankees won today when the other Mr. October, Aaron Judge, hit a home yep. run today. Yep, so. Night, uh, 2009 on this day, Tom Brady throws an NFL record five touchdown passes in the second quarter against five Tennessee. Five and a quarter is pretty good. <laughs> All right, that's this day in history. A couple of birthdays. Yeah, 1926, Chuck Berry. 1927, George C. Scott, Patton. Yep, 1928, Keith Jackson, who to me is still the voice of college football, Keith Jackson. 1939, Mike Ditka, Bears coach. Who wins if a hurricane plays Mike Ditka? (laughs) And here's the catch. The hurricane's name is Ditka, right? Saturday Night Live did more for Ditka's career than anything we know. The catch is the hurricane's name is Ditka. Oh, 1958, 
Thomas Hitman Hearn's birthday in 1958 this day. Zac Efron, 1987. Zac Efron is wildly talented. I yeah. appreciate how good Zac Efron is. Now, we mentioned a couple of deaths real quick because they're significant. Yeah, Thomas Edison passed away in 1931. On now, this remember, day. Edison in 1878 made electricity 1878. Avail- 1878 yeah. available in households. And then on the same day in 1931, passes away. now Charles Strike, the same thing. Yeah. 1956, he passed away on the same day that he was born back in uh, 1921. The guy who, uh, you know, the pop-up toaster. Pop-up toaster guy. And then 2021 on this day, Colin, uh, Colin Powell, the great uh, general, uh, passed away in 2021. All right, our Lavelle Edwards quote. Lavelle's longtime friend Ron McBride recently celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday, coach. The former Utah head coach, Developed a nice bond with Coach Edwards. On the day of his passing, McBride said this about his friend. He said he was a lot bigger than a football coach. He was a great representative for BYU. He was a great representative for the LDS religion. He was a great representative of college football. He put BYU on the map. He was far beyond a football coach. The the rivalry was so good when Ronnie Mack and Lavelle were at the helm of Utah and BYU. They were great friends with great respect. I, I, I really feel like the rivalry was at its best when those two were the coaches. Absolutely. Lavelle became BYU's head coach 50 years ago last month. He came in with a win against Kansas State in 1972, and he went out with a win against his friend Ron McBride. Unbelievable. In 2000 when and, he retired. And, and you know what? Before we go out, we learned so many good things on this show from our, from our followers. So Reststream says... Adjusted 7.2 million in 1867 when the United States bought Russia, or bought Alaska from Russia. In today's dollars, is 144.3 million, which is still a crazy good deal. You bet it is. I would pay 144 million for Alaska right now, and I'm sure I could get the money. Well, it's beautiful because you can also see Russia from there, yeah. right? From what we've yes. heard, and yeah. so we yeah. learned so much on this show. Amanda Cox, the. Uh, Alumni chair in Charlotte, North Carolina, was here with us. We appreciate her. Andrew George, uh, the great Andrew George, on with us tonight. Next week, Brandon Doman and former basketball coach Steve Cleveland will be with us here on The Wise Guys. Can't wait to have both those guys on. We love Brandon Doman and Cleve, one of our best our best friends. What we're not hearing is rise and shout on the saxophone for the second straight week because BYU didn't win. No, you only play it when they win. So let's let's plan on that next week. We'll hear it next week for sure. We'll see you on game day, Saturday afternoon, 1.30 Eastern Time, 11.30 Mountain on BYU TV. Two hours to get you ready for the Cougars and the Flames, and we'll see what they can do. We, we have high expectations for them. Cougar Nation is uh, nervous and anxious and some angry and some crazy and so all that stuff, which is the great thing about being a fan. Uh, and they channel it to take on Liberty on Saturday afternoon. We only get 12 Saturdays of BYU football and here comes another one. And don't don't f- let it pass you by. And don't forget, we need your help. Go free subscription to our YouTube channel yep. so that we can get that up and running and uh, and make this thing great. We appreciate y'all. For Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCannon. For our crew, thank you for tuning in to The Wise Guys. The podcast will be up tomorrow, available everywhere. And we'll see you Saturday on BYU TV. And next week for more Wise Guys right here on all our outlets. Have a great week, everybody.